I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another riveting episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you every week from King's Comics in Sydney by your good pals, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Siobhan. It's good to have you here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, did, you bring, so nice. did you happen to bring 50-ish comics? Yeah, like just I just happened to have them on my person, just happened to cool. have read them. Weirdly, I've read 95% of these. Let's talk about them for the next two hours. All right, If you're not doing good. anything, you've got no plans, right? <laughs> That's what we do every single week. We read all of last week's comics and let you know which are the good ones that you should read too, or maybe you've already read them and want uh, your opinions verified. Like, validated. You know, validated. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Um, ver- verify, like you've you got to click the button and to, to preview it on a robot while you listen. Um, anyway, the Serious Issues is the name of the podcast, um, and uh, we're coming to you from King's Comics in Sydney, which is... 310 Pitt Street. Or kingscomics.com. If you ever want to buy any of the comics that we talk about, you can find all those issues at the website, which has uh, been really newly redesigned. And yeah, we have a brand new website, guys, so if there's any problems with it... It's incredible. That's not. It's not. <laughs> out. Don't don't make that like the podcast fault. <laughs> I made kings of holidays and just send us an email. But also, um, all this week because it's Wonder Woman Day on Saturday. Did you know that? Yep. No, I didn't. No. Well, we're celebrating. It was, it was a different day last year. Yeah, it was a different. Th- they changed Wonder Woman Day to tie in with the movie, which I'm actually really excited to see. Um, this is like the first superhero movie that I've actually been excited to see in a minute. So that's cool. Siobhan walked out of Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> 2, everybody. <laughs> it was boring. Fight me. Um, but all this week, the, um, everything Wonder Woman, excluding new releases, is 20% off on the King's website. So it's worthwhile. There's some, there's some cool stuff up there. What cool things should we recommend from the Wonder Woman stash? Um, some of the... Oh God, was that collection that came out at the end of last year? Um, the Legend of Wonder Woman? That was the digital series that they collected? Yes. That's excellent. That is really good. Nice big hardcover. Um, of course, uh, Wonder Woman Earth One by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Yannick Paquette. Yep. I would definitely recommend that. That's um, super fun. Um, do the trades, the first trades from uh, Greg Rucker's run with Nicholas yep. Scott, etc. Oh, uh, not from Nicholas Scott's run. Uh, actually, I think that probably is is on sale, but also the um, the older Greg Rucker stuff oh, yep. that's now available in trade. And that's all on sale. Gail that Simone's really run sick. is real good too. There's yep. plenty of good Wonder Woman stuff out there. Check it out. It's all on sale at kingscomics.com. But these, those are old comics, everybody. We don't give a fuck about old <laughs> comics this week because we're talking about last week's comics for you. Um, and we kick off every episode with a segment called First Things First, in which we review all the number ones that came out last week. And uh, speaking of Guardians of Galaxy 
two. Boy, I wish I could have walked out of <laughs> I Am Groot number one. You could have. You, I, I almost was like, I stopped reading it halfway through. You kind of, you actually, you do walk out of about 10% of, of books you read. Um, <laughs> like ones you enjoy. Too. Yeah, no, I was like, why did I stop reading that? I don't know, I got distracted. Um, but I did actually read all of this for some for some terrible reason. So I Am Groot is uh, Groot's first ever solo series, everybody, but it's not the enormous hulking tree that may have been vaguely interesting. Instead, it is the young baby Groot um, who is stuck in this baby form uh, for reasons that don't relate to the fact that he's in baby form for the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie at all. Yeah, obviously. Entirely different different reasons. Um, This has been written by Christopher Hastings with art by Flaviano. Christopher Hastings, I guess, best known over at Marvel for bringing Gwenpool into our lives. And uh, Flaviano was actually an artist that I quite enjoyed doing fill-ins on the Power Man and Iron Fist series by David F. Walker. Yeah. Yeah. like, I like both of those guys. I guess I saw this. I knew this was coming. I was like, oh boy, this probably won't be very good. And it managed to be so much worse than I thought <laughs> it ever could be. Yeah, I feel sorry for Christopher Hastings because he does seem to get... He seems to be the kind of filler guy at Marvel at the moment. Like, when there's something that's clearly editorially mandated, he's kind of the guy to pick up those jobs. Yeah, um, but that's how, you get, that's how you get started. Yeah, he, And he's been doing webcomics for, for, for many, many for years. Billion, yes. And he's, he's proved that he can... Do funny and weird concepts. Yeah, um, I think you know, like the what works for me in this comic is where it is just Baby Groot interacting with the regular Guardian stuff. That was fine to me. That's what I was expecting this comic to be. Yeah. and then halfway through, Groot escapes and then launches himself into like a kind of cosmic zone, which I guess could have been fun. Except the character, all he says is "I am Groot." Yeah, interacting with like just these like more and more ridiculous characters. And the final character he sees is someone called Buddy, who is like a zombified pug, giant purple pug with a big green eye in like a like cybertronic body with yeah. six legs. Yeah. I, yeah. That's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I understand that there's like, they've, they've found a reason that he's like a baby and all that, but it, it annoys me that he's like, like a like acts like a baby as well as is just small if he was just small but still like regular Groot I know there's not a huge amount of difference <laughs> because all he says just call, call it just call it Lil Groot Lil Groot um, and he's a twig he's a toothpick yeah. someone <laughs> uses him as a toothpick it's hilarious <laughs> That would probably be better. I have, yeah, I have no interest in this. I guess I was expecting like a really like cute, quaint, all ages book with a dumb little better. tree who can say his name. Yeah. Like that writes itself to me. I don't mm. know why we had to go into some weird space world terminal. Is that a thing that already exists in the Marvel Galactic stuff? Terminal? Is it a thing? I, don't know. I can't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, it really went, it went on its head and I don't think it needed to do that, but it did. And so, go. because of that, I will not read issue two. How about you, Siobhan? Uh, no, I won't be reading issue two. I am Groot. More am. I am more like I am never going to be read by the Serious Issues team again. <laughs> Unless they forget and it ends up on their pull list again, which it probably will. Probably will. So, you win again, baby Groot. <laughs> um, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy again, um, <laughs> there was uh, another... There was a bunch of... It's a whole fucking bunch of Guardian stuff this week, yeah, actually. Yeah, um, But uh, one of them that I was quite excited for, mostly because of the cover... Um, by Chris Anker, uh, is the Star-Lord Annual, which has been written by Chip Zdarsky, who, uh, alongside Chris Anker, did the six-issue miniseries of Star-Lord recently. Um, And this is clearly like his sort of, uh, this is his farewell to the character. Yep, with art by uh, Jibril Morissette and colour by Matt Lopez on this one. Uh, This, I liked for the most part, it is like, you can see on the front cover is um, 
Star-Lord in a cowboy hat, riding a cool space horse with a big weird seahorse tail, mm. shooting his lasers. It's a beautiful cover. Yeah, it's a really good cover. So it's the kind of thing that you could put on your on your wall. No one would really know it was necessarily like Marvel related. And mm. you'd be just like, no, it's just cool cowboys. Cowboys <laughs> are cool. Um, but um, then yeah, it's it's this half like hallucination, and then kind of like weird study thoughts on life and death book that I was not expecting whatsoever. Yeah, I find that like um, Chip Zdarsky sometimes goes like really trying to think of like like po-faced sounds really negative negative yeah, I, I know what you mean but it's sort of like very ponderous um big life and death sort of stuff but i think it's important for him to really like you know when he isn't doing laugh out loud funny stuff to really make sure it's it's insanely different so people he doesn't yeah. get you know pegged as this one note this, these are the only kind of books he can write yeah absolutely. and star lord the series he did with with chris anchor was very light-hearted but it certainly wasn't like a comedy book mm. um whereas this uh you know there are moments of of humor th- scattered throughout it but we have uh star lord kind of waking up in this uh in this western cowboy town. cowboy town and uh in this town everyone has to pay pay like like a, a huge portion of 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 debt each week to um, a visitor who is like a pretty much the grim reaper with a gun yeah um, I don't know if that's an existing character. He's actually a great character design. Um, and uh, Peter Quill, aka Star-Lord, is like, that ain't right. Mm. And uh, he tries to fix everything, but just ends up fucking everything up more and more. Classic. And then the Hulk shows up. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because not to spoil it, guys, <laughs> but the whole thing ends up being that this is kind of the afterlife, and Peter had, on a mission with the Guardians, um, sort of accidentally passed away for a few minutes and he it's all right guys he he survives at the end but he's on this kind of weird death planet and when he realizes that the hulk is there he sort of then gets to gets to use the hulk and bruce is able to hulk out without being too worried about killing anyone because they're already dead yeah which is like it was kind of almost a nice good it was a nicer goodbye to the hulk than the hulk got Oh hell yeah! Well, way better than that, that stupid funeral issue that he got. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I think this was a this is a very interesting read. Um, I don't know whether or not I liked it, but uh, mm. I, I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think Zadarsky is as as I, I would like him to keep continue to write books like this. That I, I don't have to necessarily like them as much as I enjoy his humor stuff, but it's clear that he wants to branch out and he should be able to because he is a gifted writer. Absolutely. Agreed. So, yeah, if you're a Star-Lord diehard, at the very least, just pick this up because of the cover and uh, a very intriguing story beneath that cover. And I like the art too. Morissette um, has a kind of like a... Uh, what's the guy who did Tokyo Ghost? Sean, Sean G. Murphy. Sean Murphy, yeah. Um, sort of vibe, which yeah. I'm, I'm into. Yeah, it's real good. Um, so my favorite number one this week, um, like Star Lord, is a kind of an annual thing. I don't even know what you would call it. It's just like a one shot, but it's yeah. a, in a prestige format, which is always a good way to me get excited. Yep. Uh, it is uh, James Bond. <laughs> That's what gets. So yeah, yeah. Gets oh boy, I love those prestige oh formats. Boy. Rev my engine. Uh, <laughs> James Bond 007 Service is its name. It's been written by Kieran Gillen, uh, best known for Wicked and the Divine, Young Avengers, countless things, mm-hmm. Phonograph, uh, and uh, Antonio Fuso on art. Um, and uh, I've, you know, I've was obsessed with the Warren Ellis, um, uh, mm-hmm. James Bond run from from last year, late last year, uh, and I kind of stuck around with all the Dynamite's James Bond books since then. We've had one from Benjamin Percy, uh, James Robinson did like a spin off of, of from Warren Ellis's run, uh, and Andy, Andy Diggle, Diggle did one too. And I, I haven't really enjoyed them anywhere near as much as Warren Ellis's one, but Kieran Gillen 
is the first writer to really build on the kind of tone mm-hmm. that Warren Ellis wrote. I mean, it helps that he is British. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most of those writers are, except James Robertson anyway. But yeah. um, like Andy and Andy Diggle stuff in particular, definitely like you know tapped into like the womanizer playboy part of James Bond, which I agree is an integral part to the yeah, character, yeah, yeah. which is you know stupid, but it is you know it that's is. that's what he is. Um, and Warren Ellis definitely had elements of that you know playboy part of James Bond in his run, but he just did it like. James Bond essentially flirts with every single person in his life, be they mm. women, woman or man. Like, mm-hmm. he's always, like, wisecracking, like, dumb little asides. And he would just kind of show Warren... Like, Warren Ellis' one, would, he would just show James Bond flirting with, like, pretty much every female character he met mm-hmm. in, like, a really snide, like, dumb way that you could either go, like, oh, he's a smooth criminal or, like, oh, man, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> this guy's disgusting. <laughs> um, and Gillen definitely brings that vibe of it back. Like, I, I love yeah. his, his interaction with Money Penny in here. Like, he doesn't, you know, like, just because he's a playboy doesn't mean you have to show him fuck every female character exactly. that you meet along his alongside his adventures. But um, this is the most current-day James Bond story I've ever read because it really feels like an answer to like Trump becoming in, coming into power, mm-hmm. which sounds like a red flag. Like who the fuck wants to read that? But what we I, have is a uh, yeah, like a newly inaugurated pe- president and and secretary, um, uh, just completely um, just saying. Sorry, this is it. The Secretary of State. Um, he says that like Britain is simply less used to America, and it's just been really disrespectful in a press release about to the UK and then that kind of awakens like a, a hardcore nationalist mm-hmm. who um, is an ex, ex-marine and um, it's just a, a brilliant really really fun really yeah. funny in part story and it's you know has the same coldness that Warren Ellis uh, put through in his stories too I really really enjoyed this and really great really slick art um, from Antonio Fuso as well and like the the Jamie McKelvey cover is so good like so phallic like it's so phallic i love it but also like it's so stylish jamie mckelvey is such a natural choice to do a james bond book i think yeah absolutely yeah it would have been great to have and hopefully like the success of this will have we'll see the dream team of of kieran gillen and and jamie mckelvey do an entire james bond book together Well, i would love it like I, i i enjoyed this so much because it was such a slick tightly plotted one and done i would love it if kieran gillen released a whole bunch of these i don't know if that's a thing that's going to happen in the future at all, but I, yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah, this is um this is a, one of the big standouts for the week. There are lots of things that I really love this week. Yeah, same. and this, this was uh one of the, one of the tops. So yeah, if you're a James Bond fan, um even if you don't, I, I was just trying to explain to Jim uh, that everyone is actually a James Bond fan, even if they don't like the movies, because the, <laughs> the core concept of of James Bond is actually really good. Yeah, you know, it's the spy shit. He's you know this is so he, much better than that Nick Fury comic. <laughs> All right, no, I'll give you that. And I, I'm a fan of that Nick Fury comic, but um, yeah, this is a uh, great. Get pick up James Bond 007 Service if you like that kind of thing, which you should. Everyone does apparently. I just said that. <laughs> um, so over to Valiant right now for a book by Matt Kint, the first of three Matt Kint books we're going to review in this episode. Busy week. Four books actually. No, three. Um, <laughs> lucky I corrected myself. Uh, Ninjack and Shadow Man starring together in a new event called Rapture, four part event written by Kint with art by. Kafu, C A F U, brilliant name, um, and colors by Andrew Dollhouse. Um, so Kint um, sort of described this as like putting the Valiant characters in a sort of Tolkien-esque fantasy universe, and that's definitely what this feels like. Yeah, and as I, I that that sounds horrible to me. I hate fantasy, mm. um, and uh, even though I <laughs> seem to read like ten fantasy books every week, um, <laughs> Look, we all read a lot of stuff that we hate on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, 
I would like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, fantasy is not my favorite genre. I'm not very familiar with Shadow Man or Ninjak, but uh, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, heaps fun, right? Yeah. I'm also similarly not familiar with Ninjak or any of the characters, and it is useful that they have a little guide um, to the characters on the front page of this. That's right. Um, so I needed that. For the most part of the book, the protagonist is someone called Tama or Tama, uh, who is a geomancer, cool. um, young girl who has a uh, weird little like blob of a pet that hangs out with her called Tad, T-A-double-D. And he's, all he says is Gleep Glorp. It's which great. Which is way less a name than I Am Groot. It's like halfway <laughs> between Doop and um, the little blobby god from God Shaper. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's basically her just trying to, uh, to, to get, get some answers from this, uh, this beast that's been locked away. And uh, the answers that she finds uh, basically lead her to discover something that she... Realized she requires the help of Shadow Man and and Ninjak. This is really good, and I really like this character. Like, um, it was a really nice introduction to this Tama character. Yeah, agreed. And she's really sweet. Like, there's a bit where you think that she's going to take down this big demon, and then she realizes that this big scary demon is actually just trapped. And she's like, "It's not fair that you're trapped here. I need to go do something, but I'll come back and set you free because it's not right." And and uh, the 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 reason she goes to visit this this beast is that this giant. Um, can only tell the truth. Yeah. And so people will visit it because they, they want answers to something. And she realizes that people, like, you know, that, that, like no matter what, she has to give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And so she brings the beast a, uh, a, a, a prize, a yeah. truffle of some kind. And uh, it's, it's the first act of kindness the, the beast has witnessed in many years. I love that. Yeah, it was really sweet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the ongoing part of this book is going to be like, you know, a massive war between life and death and worlds and all that kind mm. of, you know, regular comic book stuff. But uh, the the journey to get to this point was really, really great. And uh, Kent has proven time and time again that he can make me care about these franchises that I know nothing about. Yep, absolutely. He's a good writer. He really is. Uh, so definitely pick this one up if you are like us, you know, always trying to tap into the Valiant universe because they are putting out some very, very quality books of, of very different genres. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing, like, the, the variety that Matt Kent himself is able to write. Yeah, uh, and we'll be talking about his uh, latest issue of Exo Manowar later in the episode. Lovely. Plus depth. Looking forward to it. Um, so over to Archie right now. Um, and uh, a couple of months ago, we reviewed a book that had no right to be as good as it was. And that was uh, Archie Meets the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written, co-written by uh, two writers, uh, Alex Segura and Matthew Rosenberg, whose books we were, Matthew Rosenberg, we review his books mm-hmm. every other week. Um, I really, really love that book. Yeah. And so that creative team, that, that writing team, um, returns for an all-new double-sized issue of The Archies. Um, and it is uh, Archie... By Joe Eisma, who um, is best known for Morning Glories. Yeah, and, you know, we, we... I don't think... I think he's one of the weaker artists working on on the Archie books. Hmm. I think he's... Work, I liked his work when it's not archified. Yeah. But I don't think he's a good cartoonist. I think he's a better, you know, illustrator. Yeah, yeah, agreed. He's, um, his jughead is a weird... Yeah. It's a weird vibe. He does weird noses and mouths, and that's kind of like two most integral parts of Archie characters. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> also, character yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just the face. Um, but um, to ignore the art for the most part, uh, for the start of the review anyway, uh, this is, I swear, a story I've read a hundred times, and I've read considerably less Archie books than you. Um, Archie wants to start a band. And so he has an audition to get people to join his band. And then he ends up just enlisting the five people that he knows better than anyone else in his mm. life. What, so you've got Jughead on drums, Betty and Veronica on tambourine and keyboards. 
Benny's the most useless member of his band. Uh, and then uh, f- through through whatever, Reggie ends up Reggie playing also. bass. <laughs> <laughs> I hated this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because uh, it I bummed was... me out. Like I didn't realize that Rosenberg was co-writing it. They did that. That I love that Archie meets the Ramones book, and that was like I, don't know if I read that. No, it was like they they, they oh, go yeah, they did. go that back in fun. time and they end up having to put a band together yeah. to play with the Ramones. They should have maintained that story arc. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember the... when we accidentally went back in time and we had to battle the Ramones? Let's just keep making a band. <laughs> but this like weird angsty, I just have like this has nothing. For me, this could have been about any characters in any universe. Like this didn't feel like Archie. This didn't feel like Jughead to me. Like Jughead is apathetic, but this was like a whole level of like, no, I'm a cool guy in a torn up like jean vest jacket thing. Like <laughs> that's not that's not Jughead, is it? And then Betty and Veronica were just like just chicks. <laughs> just random chicks. The only one who read like himself was Reggie to me. Yeah, Reggie is probably the standout better member in this. Um, that, there was very few good gags in this as yeah, well. Yeah, it was very rarely funny. It was extremely angsty. This is um, a, a very, very small amount of praise to give. But um, at one point, um, when Archie and Jughead are just going to start a band together, Archie lists a bunch of duos. Um, yeah. that, that they could possibly sound like. And it starts off with, you know, the obvious, your white stripes, your black keys. Um, and then it gets very, very underground. And we go Suicide, The Vaselines, Two Gallants, Death Grips, and Lightning Bolt. And as a former uh, teenage Lightning Bolt fan, it, it, it was it was uh, real fun to see the Lightning Bolt get a reference uh, in an Archie book. Yeah, I'm not cool enough to know who any of those They are a, like a, um extremely intense uh, drum and modified guitar bass. Cool. Screaming band. Yeah, oh, God, I, I, I love them. They're great. I also <laughs> didn't especially like the um, in this book. So Archie, like Archie, always does sort of to camera kind of breaking the fourth wall stuff. And in this, they separated that by a slightly different color of word balloon. And I just don't think it was quite clear enough. It took me a couple of goes to realize what that was. And I think it also just didn't heaps work. Like I don't think that Archie would be like having lunch with Jug... Like, I mean, I, I sound like a dick. Yeah, but also, plus, but, I know this is, like, really, like, me scraping at it, but, like, he says something to camera in the yellow thing, and then Jughead corrects him for what he said to camera. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe just, Jughead can hear... Maybe, I love the idea of Archie just always always, yeah, always turns, <laughs> t- turns to the right and, and talks at, at nothing. And everyone just goes, like, well, he had that terrible accident years ago, and this is just what he does now. <laughs> he narrates his life. Yeah, so this is, this is disappointing. Yeah, oh yeah, but it was just a one shot, you know. Whatever. I think if I think probably like Riverdale fans would like this more. No, not even. It doesn't have enough like weird gay baiting and like <laughs> Tumblr nonsense in it. Um, I'm going to hold on to it though because it has an amazing Jamie Hernandez cover of Jamie the Archie's Hernandez cover is heaps playing nice. on the front. The covers are the best thing about it. I don't uh, know who did this one. Any? No, I don't know who did that cover. It does say at the back. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love whoever's getting all the artists to do all the covers. Is that a David, the David Mack one? No, Audrey Mock. Audrey Mock, beautiful. Yeah, and David Mack really did one too. Really beautiful cover. But whoever gets all of the uh, the covers solicited for uh, for the Archie comics yeah. is, uh, deserves a, a standing ovation. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is like, he is a clever flipping dude. That's right. Uh, so from Archie to Aftershock. Nice. Um, that just, works. Yeah, one back in the alphabet, <laughs> I guess, including... Are, are there any... Are there any A A starting publishers between Aftershock and Archie? I don't know. We'll never know. I'm sure there are. The Normals, number one, by Adam Glass and uh, art by Dennis Calero, uh, is a extremely dated feeling book. 
uh, both in look and in and in t- overwritten narrative. Mm. Uh, what if you woke up one day and realized that you and all your family were robots? <laughs> So it's like the Truman Robot Show. Robot Rampage time. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Truman Show, except you're robots. Yeah, and they're like this really boring, like, white bread, Kansas-style American nuclear family. Um, it, yeah, it did feel heaps weird and dated. And, like, this guy, I think Adam Glass is new to comics. I think this is the first comic that he's ever written. Right. And that definitely explains a lot of the, like... Oh, no, he's not. I apologize. He's written heaps. He's written a ton of comics. Like what? He's written uh, Deadpool Suicide Kings. He's written Suicide Squad. He's written Deadpool Pulp, Luke Cage Noir, Deadpool Team Up. Yikes. Luke Cage N- Origins. Origins. Heaps more. Wow. Um, he's on stacks. Yeah. Oh, so, he did that. The Shut up, Siobhan. He did Brick, that um, that Oni Press book that I was oh. talking about for a while. Was that, that good? I, 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 I loved the first issue of that, which was the opposite of this. Right. Uh, that was really quick moving and kind of it, it, it showed rather than tell, whereas this is very much like you every single thought that our protagonist has is, is put onto the, the page. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe, you know, I, I could forgive this issue just because it is a high concept in, in a way. Um, yeah. That he, you know, he's got he's setting everything up, and then the, f- the second issue maybe was, is when everything clicks into place and it becomes a bit more fun to read. I'm I'm willing to give it one more issue. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it another issue. But I also like personally didn't heaps like the art, which I always feel I feel really, I always feel really bad saying that because I know like it's such a hard job being a comic book artist and um like it's it's good storytelling, but for me there's just something it's like vaguely photo reference. Um, in the faces and something to do with the inking looks really odd and off to me, and I think the colors are a little the bit colors. Weird. I, I didn't. I think the art was okay. It kind of reminded me of um, uh, Brett Robinson, who does um, Astro City. Um, but uh, the, yeah, the coloring was was way too. I guess the colors are just weird, and I guess that maybe they're trying to maybe that's trying to add to like the eerie yeah sense. But um, I also found these kind of like again, like it's a book called The Normals, and they're like and the literally their last name is normal and they're a family of like regular joes just just being white just being, all the time. being normal <laughs> um but they're so dull like i didn't like i didn't really care that they were robots well suburbia is it's dull it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a he's the first person to point that out <laughs> it's not really i love suburbia <laughs> i'm a, proud to be a member of it <laughs> Um, so that's Normal's number one and uh, Boom Studios this week put out a book um, that I wasn't sure if it was like ongoing like maybe the next chapter in a series or I think it actually is something brand new it's by someone called Victor Laval um, who uh, Joe Hill says on the front cover Victor Laval tells stories that need to be told there you go um, with art by Dietrich Smith and uh, Joanna Lafuente on colours Destroyer is the name of this book which ties into uh, the Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein, um, and uh, basically it's like Frankenstein's monster uh, awakens in a world in which he, he witnesses a bunch of uh, uh, whales get um, harpooned. Yeah, he's just been chilling in Antarctica since we last heard of him at the end of um, Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's is. Frankenstein. The so original is, novel. Yeah, so no, no bride of Frankenstein. Well, I guess that happened in the book. Anyway, whatever. It's been a long time since I've read it. But so he goes apeshit on some um, whalers, which yep. is cool. Just, just like punches some dude, heart, some dude's heart out and then like smushes some other, some other heads. Um, and someone who, uh, a, a sort of fellow anti-whaler, 
um, recognizes him for who he is and kind of brings him up to date on the world. I love that the this is. I'll just walk you through this one page, which has Victor Frankenstein looking on at these key moments in history that she's told to, she's decided to tell him. So we have uh, the invention of the light bulb. Nice. The invention of uh, the Wright brothers' uh, plane. Yep. Uh, the uh, first use of mustard gas in uh, whichever world war that was used in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, invention of the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have like I guess like cows being killed, like a slaughterhouse. Yep. Um, then. Uh, Steve Jobs introducing the <laughs> iPhone, which is considerably after um, abattoirs were invented, I guess. And then uh, black on black violence. Sorry, pol- police on black violence. My, my bad, sorry. Look, all the great atrocities of our time in one. I just thought that Steve Jobs is in there. <laughs> I <laughs> know, but I support that. <laughs> I support that as an atrocity as an iPhone user. Um, and, then, I... and, then, and then the next page we see him break an iPad. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Victor really Laval, Victor Laval, yeah, yeah, he's absolutely an Android user. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it though. Um, I and so then then we sort of the 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 monster kind of kills everyone, um, good and bad on these ships, and then we we skip over to. Oh no, he doesn't kill everyone. Another ship, or, oh. or, or is he driving the ship? So- I think he's he's driving the ship. He does that intentionally. Oh right. He's just like fuck everyone. <laughs> um, uh, but then we we skip over to just meet a, a scientist who's our sort of modern day modern day Victor Frankenstein, who is trying to bring back her um, son who was killed in some police violence when he was twelve. Which is very sad. Yeah, and so um, we don't know whether these people are going to cross paths. I'm sure they will. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really weird if they just had two storylines. Yeah, but you know, it is one of those things up. that the first half of this book is all about Frankenstein's monster returning to our to our times, and the second half is about yeah the, a new generation of Frankensteining with this woman trying to bring her son back. I really love this. I uh, yeah, I was. I, I was uh, you know, this is like a, a, a very like knowingly weird book, and I mm. think it doesn't. I, I think there are moments where it just kind of jumped and like things suddenly happened, and and, that, and even though I was like a little thrown by it, I think they were all intentional. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think this uh, this book was uh, was uh, a really really great to look at too. The art really a like genuinely beautiful book, um, and like a book with a with like genuine like also something to say. You know, like I appreciate that, and I I like the message. Yeah. Um, of the book. I really, yeah, I'm, I'm really keen on this. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Dietrich Smith on the art is uh, who I'd like to give a big shout out to. And the colors by uh, Joanna LaFuente are really great the too. The colors are beautiful. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome uh, little start to, a, to another pretty good boom series. Mm-hmm. Uh, go pick it up. Destroyer. Um, Source Estate is the last number one I read this week. I didn't read it. Good for you, man. Uh, Paul Cornell wrote this one. I'm too confused by this because there was originally a like Source of Country. Source of Country, which yep. was published by Vertigo and then it got cancelled and then he he took the book over, I thought to image and then it's moved again. But maybe I'm wrong that it went to image at all. Yeah, I th- I think I think mean, that sounds right. But anyway, this is completely different. Source Estate is about a new president who uh, admits to everybody that she has been abducted she was once abducted by aliens. Oh, so they're just retelling the original Series I concept. Has, I thought this had nothing to do with. So is, is, is it? Oh, so it is because that's what the original concept of Saucer Country was. Did Did Paul Cornell write, write Saucer Country? Uh, yeah, I thought so. Because um, I was like, I don't want to read this because I haven't read the stuff that came before it. But yeah, maybe you're right. It, just... it is. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Paul Cornell wrote it. There you go. 
So, all right, so this is, this is a some form of sequel to Saucer Country? I don't know. Saucer State is what it's called. Or maybe it's a re... Fuck, I, I, I should have looked it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, in this... Well, what happened in Saucer Country? <laughs> I didn't read the whole thing, but it was, like, a similar concept of, like... Oh, yeah, this the is... The president... This is, is straight like, up... I've been abducted by aliens, and everyone's like, that's crazy. Or she's not the president, she's, like, a... Politician of some description. Yo, this is straight up a, a, a re-release of I, so IDW are just re-releasing uh, the Vertigo series. There you go. So that, that that is like somewhat of a cult hit, right? Like uh, people were quite bummed to see that cancelled by Vertigo. From memory, I don't know. yeah, um, it was nominated for a Hugo Award, but lost to the first volume of Saga. Tough loss. Uh, yeah, tough and just unavoidable loss. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Crazy. So there you go. Um, Thanks for um, discovering uh, that with us, guys. <laughs> uh, In so real time. So that brings us to the end of First Things First. I guess I'm going to read Source Estate because I, I heard good things about it when it was first coming out, but never actually picked it up. That's insane that it's just a re-release. I thought it was something completely unrelated because mm. I'm an idiot. But you like the first issue? Um, I, I was intrigued. It's a very <laughs> weird concept. It's all yeah. about like holograms being put into people's heads. and mm. um, Yeah. I read also, just quickly, I read the first issue of Samaritan Veritas by Matt Hawkins and Atilio Rojo. Um, this I actually really enjoyed, despite the fact it ties into all the other books that Matt Hawkins does um, over at Image. So, like, Think Tank and all the things that tie into Think Tank. Postal, postal I guess. Um, and every time I read something accidentally that ties into those books, I'm like, fuck, I should read this because it's actually really intriguing. Um, and I really enjoyed this issue despite not really understanding who anyone was or what was going on. Great job. Yeah, I think they tricked me into reading Eden's Fall. Yeah, last yeah, yeah, year. same thing. Yeah, yeah. Trickers. Little tricksy beggars. Tricksy. I wish that they would put something on it that said that there was a tie-in because otherwise that's very confusing. That's the end of First Things First. <laughs> the rest of the comics that we review in this episode will not be numbered number one. In fact, they will be numbered greater than one at the very least. Whoa. Before we get to that, Siobhan, we record an episode every week. It goes for two hours. But mm-hmm. did you know that we're going to start recording another episode every month? What? And this is going to be a bonus episode uh, focused on a particular creator or character or run that we're either a fan of or that maybe someone who listens is a fan of that wants us to review. Cool. Um, and uh, this, we are doing this because we launched a Patreon a couple weeks ago. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast is where you can find it. And one of our first goals after a mailing list, which we also hit, so we're going to start send a mailing list out next week, um, was uh, this bonus monthly episodes. Which So our first one will be for June. And uh, very soon on our Patreon page, uh, if you remember, you'll be able to vote for what we uh, do a bonus episode on. Cool. Do you have any ideas about who you'd like to do an episode on? Um, well, maybe you could head over to the Facebook group, which is mm. facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast and give us some ideas. I might start a post over there on a little poll. You guys can give us some ideas of, you know, maybe a, a franchise that you don't know much about or something that you love that you would love uh, us to do, like a nice solid half to an hour, um, you know, focus on. Mm, that'd be nice. Um, our next goal that we're trying to hit is a uh, Patreon-exclusive Q&A episode in which you uh, send in questions and we answer them, no matter how probing they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't make them too probing. I mean, they have to be comics-related. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. not necessarily. But, like, mostly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but if that sounds like something that you would like us to do, uh, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast and uh, pledge as little or as much as you would like in order to support this show. Um, we want to keep creating more and more content for you to listen to and watch. 
Uh, one, of, one of our big goals is starting to do monthly videos about mm. all our favorite books that come out each month. Um, and uh, with your help, we can achieve that. So head over to patreon.com slash podcast and support the podcast, which has been free for a long ass time. Um, we don't ask for much over here and it would be cool to uh, see some listeners give a couple bucks our way each month. That'd be lovely. Uh, so now we play our incredibly beloved game that they hear they're going to make a board game of. Whoa, oh my God, that's, that's right. Huge. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a uh, collectible card game. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Roll a Dice uh, for Image, Marvel, or DC. Uh, you can play as Siobhan or me. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I never let Siobhan even touch the dice. Yeah, I'm not even a part of this, guys. <laughs> so uh, have, make so sure you just, go just make a cup don't of tea. play as Siobhan. Yeah, if you're, if you're Siobhan, <laughs> you just go make a cup of tea. Uh, so what we're going to do is roll a dice, and if it's one or two, it's, we're going to talk about image books first. If it is three to four, we talk about Marvel books first. And if it's five to six, we talk about DC books first. Nice. Sound good, Siobhan? Sounds great. Rolling the dice now. Dropped oh, it on no, the floor. Fell on the floor. Number five, DC first. That's good. They put out some good ones this week. Yeah, great. Uh, and then five again. So do the spinner. Six. They really want us to talk about DC. <laughs> Two. So we're going to do DC, then Image, then Marvel. Nice. Should have picked the first DC book we talk about. Um, just because it's the top of my pile. Let's talk about the Commandy Challenge, issue five. Unreal. This has been a, uh, a fun little thing that DC are doing to celebrate the uh, legacy of uh, King Kirby, a.k.a. Jack Kirby, who mm-hmm. turned, it would have turned 100 this year. Were he still with us? Um, and what they're doing is getting different creators every month of 2017 to uh, do another chapter in the life of uh, Commandy, the last boy on Earth. And um, is it last boy on Earth? Yeah. Last, yeah, sure. But so basically, um, each creative team put this character in like a ridiculous cliffhanger and it's up to the next creative team to get him out of that one and then introduce an even more ridiculous cliffhanger. And it has been up and down. Mm. It's been mostly entertaining. Um, some some books have definitely been better than others. It's and mostly heaps fun though, because just like um, I think the thing that stands out for me anytime I read a Jack Kirby book is he's like he's one of those guys who was there for the beginning of an art form, but also managed to subvert it and play around with it and do so much with it. And he created such Im- like the the extent of his imagination is just like mind-boggling like the directions that things go in you could never ever predict um and so the the expansive world that he created is so fun for other creators to play around in yeah and this one in particular just is just like a a plethora of uh, of anthropomorphic animals who want yep. to kill a human which is endlessly fun so fun guys uh, this issue was written by bill willingham um best known for fables mm-hmm. and uh art by one of dc's top artists ivan ivan rius mm-hmm. um Doing a very unlike, like this is a much more kind of storybook style artwork that I than, than what I'm used to. Normally, when mm. he does the you know superheroes and capes stuff, it's a lot. Uh, maybe it's due to the different inker in Eau Claire Albert. Um, but uh, this was like far and away, like uh, once this finishes, I would give Bill Willingham and Ivan Reyes an ongoing commanding yeah, right? book. Bill Willingham really gets this universe and did such a fun. Like this was such a fun issue. It was unbelievably fun, and not only does like I, I feel like it, the other ones are being fun, but not very memorable. Like I couldn't even tell you what happened in the last issue. Um, I liked the one. I liked the um, Amanda Connor. That was that, one. well. That was the best. So the the best thing that that these issues do is when they introduce something that the writers then continue on in the next mm. one. And so they introduced a a, a character who is a plant yeah. who can uh, you know re- regrow herself and mm-hmm. do all the fun things a plant can do. Except she's a gorgeous green she's a woman. Sexy lady. Um, and uh, 
in this, not only do we get like easily the most insane cliffhanger this series has offered us so far that I doubt anyone's going to be able to top in yeah. the in the, uh, the, uh, the further seven issues. I just remembered what it was, and it's so hectic, guys. I was just like, holy shit. How, like, genuinely, because every single issue, you're like, oh, how's Commander going to get out of this one? But seriously, how is Commander going to get out of this one? Here's the thing. Commander didn't, here's the thing. Commander didn't get out of yeah. this one. So, uh, I, I mean, all the all the cliffhangers so far have been like Commander like, falling into a big fish's mouth. Or yeah, like, like uh oh, discovering a bomb. Like yeah. it's not like it's all just like very, very like classic comic booky things. Can and we get... spoil this one? No, no, we're not. Ah, we can't talk about it. Guys, I, I... it's crazy. Um, and that final but... panel is crazy. Not only do we get like a really, really satisfying cliffhanger um, to do with the uh, the plant based girl midway through this book, mm. like a truly sad moment yeah. too. Um, but without properly like you know he hasn't he hasn't exactly gotten rid of her. But no, so he set up. He set up another writer to bring her back gloriously in, in, in the future. Yeah. He also introduces one of the most fun characters I've read in a comic book in a while, which is who is a pirate dog. Um, yep. And then, and then even better, a Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes um, tiger. Yeah. Like just this cool detective tiger who used to be a boxer. It's so good. It's so fast moving. So much shit happens and a in scary this issue. Lima doctor. And like this. Oh God, guys, it's so fun. This is just as this was like such an incredible issue that if I was fo- following this, even if I was like the 12th issue after this uh, issue five came out, I'd just be like, oh man, I can't top this. This was this is perfect. Yeah. And next month is Steve Orlando with Billy Tan, I believe, yeah. which is like tough act to follow, guys. Tough act to follow. I mean, I think that th- those guys are both accomplished, but like, that's it. I'm not even a Bill Willingham fan. I've never even read Fables. Yeah, so, like, I, I'm a like I'm a uh, like a reasonable Fables fan. I think it probably went on for a little bit too long, as a lot of these things do. Um, but I wouldn't count myself like a specific Bill Willingham fan. But this was this was so fun, so great. Give him a commandy book, guys. What, what the fuck is going to happen next? I don't um, know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really really excited for. Like maybe this will lead to be like Steve Orlando's greatest moment because just in getting out of this insane cliffhanger, yeah. he, he managed just to. Yeah, he got the just, script for that and was just like, uh. <laughs> Commandy <What>? rebirth. <laughs> it's going to be issue six. You dick, Bill. Um, yeah, great stuff. Highly recommend this issue. One of the best books I read this week. Yeah, heaps fun. Um, so now let's talk about any of these other books we've got in front of us. Let's talk about Greenland. Uh, Hal Jordan and the Greenland Corps. Okay. Why not? Uh, by Robert Vendetti with art by um, somebody Marion. Uh, this was just an issue to me. I just yeah, a same. bunch of shit happened, and that was that. I mean, there is a pretty like <laughs> um, pencils are by V Ken Marion. Cool. Um, like they do a pretty hilarious. Like I really love the thing of like, and I'm just gonna spoil it, guys. Like the bad guy in this um, series called Salak, who looks like he is. Uh, you know, he, whatever race, um, Sinestro is. Yep. He's, he's red. He's a pink dude. He's a pink dude is what I'm saying. Um, we find out that he is, he's the child of one of our core members. And I love that. I love that. Like, oh no, that's my son. Cause that totally happens all the time in superhero comics because of weird time travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that he found out, he found out by having his green lantern ring show him the, the like. The family tree of yeah, that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, the family tree had a spelling error in it. Oh, really? So, well done, editor. <laughs> nice. Good job. Um, yeah, like, this really just wrapped up this story arc. Which is good, because I didn't like this story arc. Um, yeah. And now we're going to get a much sadder than usual um, 
particular guardian, um, particular it's Green Lantern. It's <laughs> <laughs> he loves spoiling things. I do. Um, but also, he just got Saranic to agree to go on a date with him, and now he's like, "Oh no, our child is going to be evil." So he's going to have to backtrack and be like, "No, nah, I don't want to date you anymore for mysterious reasons." Um, what Love I, a good drama, guys. What I did enjoy was Hal Jordan pointing out how each of the like kind of main Lantern Corps members used their ring powers. Yeah, that and was fun. I also really liked John Stewart, um, like just straight out right saying that Guy Gardner was his best friend. Yeah, that was cute. And Guy being like, ah, uh, gay, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> did, did he say that? I thought <laughs> no, he was he heaps on board. Say that. He was about to die, and he didn't. They, they have a big. Yeah, but he didn't like say like, oh, you're my best friend too, John. I'm sure he said something like, like real cool, like right back at you, chief. I don't know. <laughs> no, he didn't say anything like that. Um, no, he says lucky dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like. That's not saying gay. <laughs> I'm just saying Guy Gardner's he's matured a little bit in the last. Yeah. He's a little bit, yeah, a tiny bit. He's a bit more woke than he was in the eighties. Just a bit. Um this week we got the second issue of Batman and the Shadow, uh part two of six, written by Scott Snyder, Steve Orlando, with art by Riley Rosmo. Um, we really loved issue one of this and I thought issue two was uh solid in that it uh kind of Linked in a character that I from from Gotham that I was not expecting in mm-hmm. Leslie Tompkins, which I thought was a really strong choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I still don't really know what, what what the plot of this book is doing. Uh, I'm a bit lost I guess in me it. Neither. Yes, but I still like it. Yeah, it was a too. really hectic, um, really hectically violent moment that made me go like, when he like uh, like breaks his foot. Oh yeah, that was nasty. Fine. That was gross. Um, but uh, yeah, I really like this issue. Still, it's a weird. It's heaps weird. Also, they like fully breaks Batman's leg, and then Batman's fine. That doesn't make sense. He does it all the time. I know, but it's not a Batman issue unless he breaks a limb. <laughs> True. Um, I return all my. If, if Batman doesn't have a limb broken in an issue of Batman, I buy a return. Ask yeah. my money back. <laughs> Returns a lot of. Comics, I, I break the comic first, and then I hand it back. Um, over your knee. Um, okay. but yeah, it looks like we're going to get uh, the Joker in issue three. Fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. This is still really solid. The art by Riley Rosmo is is my favorite thing about it. Same. Yep. Um, so there was a semi crossover while not being a crossover this week uh, between Action Comics and Suicide Squad. Oh, neither yeah. of which you read. I don't but read them. So I just tell me all it, about it. I just thought it was really cool for it to be like a, a like a, like straight up both books are crossing over with each other um, and telling the same event from different point of views. Um, but there's no mention of that on the cover, and you don't need to read both of them to get the full story. It's you mm. can be reading both, and it's fine. I feel like Marvel would never ever do that. There, I was about to say there is something similar going on in um, <laughs> weirdly Weapon X and Hulk. Like I said, they'll never ever do that. No, <laughs> no, but they, they, Marvel are doing that by having a number one issue of a big event that they're doing of crossing over those two books really soon. Oh really? Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. realize that there was a tie-in comic. Um, but uh, first of all, look how thick um, Zod's butt is on uh, the front cover. Of Action yeah, this week. that is a that is a that's sexy a, Zod. That's a thick butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Zod has been captured by Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad, and she's trying to she's put a, a kryptonite bomb in his head, um, and is trying to make him go on missions. Um, there's a way too sexy scene drawn by Tony Daniel. Whoa. Of, um, it's like really crappy and photo referency, like Greg Land levels of like porn face going on with Harley <laughs> Quinn. Um, Who's she? Who's she? Rick Flag. Oh, 
God. It doesn't make any sense. But whatever. You can ignore that immediately because uh, shortly uh, shortly after having the kryptonite bomb inserted in his head so that he can be compliant and do the Suicide Squad missions, Zod blasts his eyes into a mirror and then blasts the, like a massive piece of his head <laughs> like off. So this is like him with a big bloody exposed brain for the entirety Shit. of this issue. Look, he's got half a head. Oh my God. Because <laughs> he's blown the, the, the kryptonite bomb out. And he's just fine? Uh, somewhat. Um, he's, he's fine until uh, Captain Boomerang throws an electrified boomerang into his exposed brain. <laughs> that it's, sounds great. It's I, it's really silly. I love, like, like I said, Suicide Squad has gone from this, like, this book is the dumbest to like, this book is the dumbest. <laughs> I really enjoy reading it. And uh, in the end, um, uh, when they, they, they think they've, they've taken Zod, ad- Zod down, um, who should show up? But... Um, the Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. Great. And if you've been reading action comics, you'll know that they are trying to recruit Zod to uh, create some kind of Superman revenge society. Um, and uh, I mean, action comics wasn't quite as fun as uh, a Suicide Squad this week, but uh, you know, it's good to see all these characters and Mongol and stuff uh, assemble. That is pretty fun. Assemble to take down Superman just for the po- pure revenge. That's the only reason. Yay! That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Um, so Superman is currently Simple stuck motivations. stuck in in the sewer, in, in Bell Reef as well. Oh. So yeah. Good Why? Why is he stuck in Bell Reef? Uh, because he's gone to uh, to find Zod before the Eradicator and stuff too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Fun stuff. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman, issue number 23. Um, so the, close to the end of Rucker's run. Yeah, third last issue. And um, this is the, conc- the potentially the last issue that Liam Sharp's doing. But it's uh, maybe not, but it's the, it's the conclusion to this arc called The Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess the, the, the biggest thing we, 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 we see, Wonder Woman, Return of the Mascara. Yep. I won't tell you why she does, but uh, it is a fleeting moment and it is very tragic. Yep. Um, and uh, it has a lot of weight to it because this has been a very well put together series. Beautifully handled. Yeah. And it's it's a classic sort of, um, you know, Rucker's really good at balancing the different sides of Diana. It's a bit of like a, like love wins. Love, love is the weapon that she uses in the end to save the day, um, which is... I think it's well done in this. Yeah, if it could be trite anywhere else, absolutely. but it's well done in this. It, you know, like, like it feels earned because of this is the absolutely the Diana that we've been brought up to see in these issues that that, that preceded the, with this one. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I I got a lot of um, you know we we see the final fate of the two twins and um, the the daughter of um, Doctor Kale who mm-hmm. who's had her face stolen from her. She was um, doing it with Aries. Was she doing it? I think she was chilling with Aries. I think that was implied. Netflix and it. chilling with Aries, <laughs> um, but I thought that the the conclusion of those um, those plot points is really satisfying too. Yeah, yeah, um, good job. I, I sort of hope that those characters show up again. Yeah, and I don't know what the last two issues are going to do of this of this run, but um, obviously I'm going to be there for it. I hope it's just like you know when someone um, finishes up a run, like in um, uh, like recently in. Uh, I can't think of an example. Like a Hellcat. Like, like they just what, have a party? What, or a shopping spree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my favorite <laughs> example of that is um, Every X-Men when run. Jeff Johns finished up on JSA and uh, Stargirl got her braces off. <laughs> then they had a party. That's amazing. Yeah, or she goes to the doctor to get her braces off and it's like this coming of age thing and then they're like, no, you have to leave your braces off for a bit longer. <laughs> that was really cute. Do we ever see her get them off in can- canonically? Or is, are they so. still on? When she, when she makes her grand return to like the DC universe. I think she's been sort of retooled a little bit sexier, so I don't think she has braces anymore. Braces are sexy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> They're not. I just, I'm just trying to make people have them feel better about themselves. Yeah, you shouldn't feel you're bad se- about them. You're sexy means. in other ways, braces owners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, um, if this is Liam Sharp's last last issue of Wonder Woman, uh, which it might not be, but just in case it is, uh, thank you for doing a very very good job on your run. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy your faces. I would love to see him um, on more mainstream superhero books because he's got such a unique style that I think works really well. Yeah, and I would like to see him draw something a little less grim as well mm. because it's, it, it, his arc was you know a bit more doom and gloom than the other than, than the earlier arc. Yeah. So yeah. Um, over on Batman Detective Comics number 957, we have a, uh, like panel of the week competition on our mm. Facebook group. Again, it's facebook.com slash group slash series podcast. Come and join us. There's almost a thousand members, Siobhan. That's bonkers. That's insane. Um, but, uh, one of the big rules of panel of the week is no spoilers. And I desperately wanted to put a panel for this one in, uh, this week th- from Detective Comics this week because spoiler, the character is in every single issue, but I didn't really like any of the panels, <laughs> so I couldn't do it. Couldn't even make a terrible joke. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so this is The Wrath of the Spoiler, um, written by uh, James Tinney in the fourth, with uh, co-written with Christopher Sabella, and uh, art was competent art of Carmen Carnero uh, on it. pencils and um, inks by three people. Wow. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, this is kind of a cute little story about spoiler, um, trying to solve crime in a way that Batman wouldn't. It's like, but it's such a, it's such a flawed ideology that she has where she's like, you know, she left the, the sort of detective comics team because she's like, oh, you guys like there's too many people You make it sound like she was the writer of detective (laughs) comics. (laughs) Um. What are those called? Like the Batvengers or something? Yeah, whatever. Whatever they are. Um. Because she was like, oh, too many people get caught in the crossfire and there's all this death that you guys cause. And like, it's this sort of, um, you know, you encourage the the bad guys to come out of hiding, etc. And so she's like, oh, I'm just going to continue to fight crime, but I'm just not going to tell anyone that I do it. Which is like, I just think that's that's really flawed reasoning. Yeah. It's pretty silly. Um, but we see someone uh, who I don't recognize at all. Anarchy! Anarchy. It's oh, my I, favorite... I I thought it was Terrible Anarchy. Terrible Robin villain, Anarchy with a K. I thought it was Anarchy because he has the Anarchy symbol yeah. on, on, on his arm. But I don't remember him having a big gold mask. He has it. He always had a gold mask, but now now it covers like his whole head except for his luxurious Yeah, because it used to be more like, like a phantom mask, like a Phantom yeah. of the Opera kind of mask, but it was gold. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, now, this, this is, now it's his full head. Well, and how, he's, but how does his hair flow out from under it? I don't really know. And also, like, is it constantly in like a I've just smelled a fart grimace or is that can it move? <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out. Um, anyway, I wasn't like I thought this was a pretty average issue, um, this but run... I'm totally on board because now Anarchy's there. Really? Okay, cool. That's all it takes. Because <laughs> I'm saying this run was at one point like maybe our favorite of all the rebirth books, and now it definitely isn't for me. Yeah, it's it's fallen off in the last like story arc. It just feels like a like you know a pretty solid DC book that I just I'd read through and be like, huh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was five minutes of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so onward to Batgirl number 11 for the conclusion of the Son of Penguin story, a.k.a. Batgirl, the comic book for millennials about millennials. Yep. By uh, millennials, for millennials. Hope Larson wrote this one. With, <laughs> Hope Larson uh, also, sorry, she just recently posted on Instagram. Um, I'm going to be scripting the next issue of Batgirl on my phone if this comic could get any more millennial. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's all, so at least she's, like, she's very aware of what she's doing. Batgirl all emoji issue coming yeah. <laughs> soon. Um, art on this one is by Chris Wild Goose. Um, 
And uh, there are some things I really liked about this comic. I think uh, that, that she set up the Son of Penguin as a potential returning villain, mm-hmm. and not just Batgirl, but in general. Yeah. Um, so he gets, uh, let's just say, he gets taken out in a very awful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not intentionally, but he's not in a good state at the end, but mm-hmm. he gets uh, taken in by a penguin. So I guess when, uh, when we finally see him again, he will be very evil and fucked up indeed. Yep, I'm into it. I thought but, this was a really, like, I, I think she wrapped this um, story up in a really solid way. Yeah, but every time things happen, like a character says, a retirement flash mob. Yeah, I know. Like, it's just like these weird c- combination buzzwords. They take me, they pull me so far out. Of, and I'm someone that, like, actually, I've never ever used the term flash mob in yeah. my life. But, you know, I'm someone like... <laughs> You're always like, doing flash mobs, Levin. <laughs> you know, I'm One aware, man flash mobs. I'm aware of tech and I'm on social media all the time. And, you know, it shouldn't affect me as much because those things are part of my world. But when... when it's so hard to make that a part of a comic book without it feeling really forced yeah, so and I think intrusive just don't. and weird. <laughs> I think... But, I mean, they've done it, like, the original Batgirl team. Uh, not, like, the original Batgirl team, but the um, sort of Batgirl of Burnside team. Yep. I think they did a really solid job of that. Um, but it's just... It's, it's a tricky... It's a fine... Yeah. And it's I a difficult balance. those Mark Wade and Fiona Staples issues of Archie... Also did, did a good did job. Did a good job of including that stuff, too. And Mark Wade's, the like, 110... Yeah. Well, that's the same team as Batman and Burnside, isn't it? I know, it? but I just wanted to say that was another, that's another good example. Yeah, um, but like, you know, they don't reference direct technology. I don't know, maybe, maybe they do, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's a little, yeah, it's it's not done that in the most sophisticated way in this comic, but um, I still think that there's a lot to like about this series. Yeah, and uh, if you thought um, we got mean talking about that kind of language in this, wait till you hear us review Captain America later in the issue, later in the episode. Oh, I can't the, remember, the, but uh, I'm sure. The, all the fake news stuff. Oh, God. Can I, can I give a little, little spicy hot take uh, <laughs> to, 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 to think about for later? Nick Spencer, the subtlest man in comics. Mother Panic issue seven was the uh, final DC book I read this week, written by Jody Hauser with art by John Paul Leon, who, uh, whose art I love. Reminds me so much of um, uh, the art on uh, Brubaker's Catwoman run. Yep. Um, also Gotham Central. Yeah, definitely. So you got... You got who, who, who did Gotham Central? It was um, mm, Michael, Michael Lark. Did some? Remember. Did Malieve do it too? I can't remember. But it's like, yeah. And it also reminds me a little bit of, uh, he actually did a Catwoman episode, issue. With the, whoever does the um, uh, Doom Patrol art in, in a way as well, similar to this. Nick Darrington? Yeah. A little mm. bit of Darrington in this too. Uh, it's great. Very great art. Great colors too. Um, this is like proper Dave, well, Gotham fuck, Dave Stewart does colors on this. I never noticed that. That's yeah. awesome. Dark Horse's Man of Color, Dave Stewart. <laughs> Um, so uh, this, um, you know, we see uh, o- this issue opens with um, it's a new arc called Victim Complex, and it opens with uh, it's in Gotham, and uh, a killer tracks down a girl, a young girl, traveling with her parents, and he shoots her, shoots her, shoots her parents. Hectic. Heard that before, Gotham fans? Sounds familiar to me. That's right. It's the origin story of um, Ambush Bug, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, then we kind of um, we we real this gets linked back to um, the group of kids that Mother Panic rescued earlier mm-hmm. on in, in in this series, and um, we also find out that Mother Panic's uh, what's her actual name Violet. Yep. Um, her she's got serious health issues from um, her, her injuries, and also wearing this enormous white robot suit is not doing anything to help them. But she's she's dedicated to her cause. She's going to kick butt no matter what. Everybody. I heaps like this book. This is a great book. Such a like best use of um, speech bubbles mm-hmm. in a book. A really long time. My favorite thing that happened on the Serious Issues Facebook group this week mm-hmm. was that someone started a poll um, asking whether the word heaps is an, <laughs> a noun, an adjective, 
a pronoun or an adverb <laughs> because both of us use it in so many different ways. You definitely use it in a way that I've never heard anyone else in my I'm life. I'm very creative. Yeah. <laughs> I, saying I heaps like something, like I understand what you're going Yeah, with you it. know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say I like it heaps. Right. No, I heaps like it. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you stand, Serious Issues fans? <laughs> also, are you a tween? Let us know. Serious Issues at kingscomics.com or find why us. Are we, why are we polling people to find out if they're tweens? Don't you remember? That was, that no. was last week. <laughs> Someone's oh, got a baby brain. I got a baby brain. You should name your kid Tween. <laughs> <laughs> that seems mean and confusing. <laughs> um, so those are our DC reviews, which means it's time for image reviews. Oh, great. We had a bunch of image books this week. Yeah, it was a big stack of image books this week. Um, uh, I'm trying to figure out one that we both read that we can start with. Old Guard, number four, written nice. by the aforementioned Greg Rucker, with art by Leon- Leandro Fernandez. I Heaps. love... Yeah, I heaps love um, The Colors on this by Daniela Miwa. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but this is, like, such a beautiful book. Like, the art is incredible, but the colors are really spectacular. Mm. Oh, wow. And uh, I was there's a, there was this, apparently a Spawn variant of this one, too. There is, too, but it was by Sumney. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Chris Sumney did this I like Spawn. that the Spawn variants pretty much can be as simple as there's just a bunch of chains on stuff. Or it's in black and white for yeah. whatever reason. It's heaps cool. Um, but... Uh, this book I've really, really enjoyed, and I thought this issue just really cemented it as like this is going to be one of the really special Greg Rucker books. Yeah. When we look back, it's um, you know, also Dick Watch guys. There's a nude penis in this. A big old nude <laughs> penis. Dick Watch guys. <laughs> it's my new segment. Dick I he- Watch. I, I heaps like Dick Watch. Um, <laughs> so they are. Uh... Also, nude penis sounds so rude. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself. Also, you could have just said there's a penis in this <laughs> yeah. book. I like that there's a nude penis. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I guess like th- this kind of book is like, you know, it's this high concept kind of, well, not a high concept, but this is like, you know, the, mm. uh, people who can live forever and, and fight and don't necessarily want to live forever. Um, and are kind of looking ways to die and they're, 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 you know, keep things secret. It feels like this could be a Hickman book and if it was a Hickman book. It'd be a much slower series. And we'd be like, every, every time we reviewed it, we'd be like, I really like this, but I don't remember what happened last issue. <laughs> Rucker on this. Coming later this episode. Yeah. Rick, Rucker on this just like moves it at such a cracking pace. Absolutely. And we get heaps of flashbacks and we get heaps of like. Heaps of character development. And monologue stuff and like, you know, like very good na- narration that isn't constant throughout the entire issue. So it doesn't get tiresome. A really horrifying bad guy. And a, a big nude penis. And a big nude penis. But it just moves at such an incredible pace yeah. that uh, I, I can't think of many creators that would that would be able to be as informative and 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 create such a rich world. In how I many? Like, there's been four issues of this. Yeah, absolutely. I can't think of any creator that could do as much as Rucker has done in this many issues while still not making it feel like a slog. Like yeah. it is so quick and. It's yeah, like I mean, when 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 one of the best comics you read, you can you can read in a couple minutes, mm. and then go back and read it again because you liked it so much. Like yeah, I, I, this is such a good series, and I'm I'm sure we're not far away from the first trade. If you're listening to this and you're not on this on singles, definitely get the trade, dear listeners, because this is a very special book. And it's great because um, this is something that definitely, if if it's just a six issue arc, that's great and it works really well just like that but also if it ends up running for years like Lazarus or something this is also that also is great and works and is brilliant god I hope this lasts for years because I just like you know just seeing Leandro Fernandez just really shine on on this book that has yeah so much depth to it 
Fernandez is really like the standout on this book for me. Like, he gets to draw nude penises that he, which have so much depth to them. That's a is a great nude penis. It's a guys. deep, deep nude penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I just I love the the backstory that we learn of each of these characters because these these characters, I guess, they have so of, many backstories. Of, of, of all, all the books we read, no one has more backstories than yeah. these characters that have li- lived for thousands of years. Um, maybe Thor. Maybe Thor. Um, but uh, yeah, this is an extremely exciting to read book. Um, with so many moving parts and betrayal and action and and mythology to it that yeah I probably my favorite issue this week I don't know maybe I, don't know, maybe. I mean Greg Rucker seems to win that all the time not yeah. that we even give it out there's no prize involved but congratulations yeah. <laughs> Greg Rucker yeah you did it again cunt uh, <laughs> um, yeah oh god number four read this series absolutely it's real Agreed. good um, also there was a uh, a lot of uh, Australia content this week I don't know if you there's heaps of Australian stuff this week oh yeah as in like books that we like showing up in Australia. Like one of the main character in Old Guard's past loves um, was on the yeah, yeah, on yeah, one yeah, of the, yeah. on like one of the first fleet. fleets to Australia as a convict. That's where we saw the nude penis in That's Australia. Right. That was- you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Deep nude penis. And also uh in um in Commandy um, yep, a bunch of that is set in Australia. Oh, really? And uh, I didn't even notice there's, that. Uh, there's some more weird, weird Australian moments. Um, but let's talk about Hickman because we got a double dose of Hickman this week, and I know Siobhan only read one of them, but yes. uh, it is a book called The Dying and the Dead. Which, Who remembers this book? This Hands book, up. I don't think. And Jim can is Jim in here? Jim's in front of his computer. Everybody, how many years has it been since we got an issue of The Dying and the Dead? Like almost two, twelve months, the full year. Um, it released two issues. The first issue, sorry, three issues. The first issue was a really big, like triple size issue. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what the fuck it was about. Like, Me I mean, either. I'm going to take, take a stab at the dark because it's Hickman. Secret Society. <laughs> Death. People <laughs> Secret dying. Wars. Also people who are already dead. Some kind of mystical element. And so reading this, uh, first, this, this, this first issue in, in, in a good year from this series that only managed to put out three issues before going away for a year. I was like, who the fuck's that again? I don't remember who this is. Um, the art is by Ryan Bodenheim, which is very good, and great colours by Michael Garland too. And um, letters by frequent Hickman collaborator Russ Wooton. I really like his lettering. Um, but uh, I like his name. 
yes, that's really good. It's fun to say. Um, but uh, even though I was like, I wasn't sure if any of these characters were even in the first three issues, I thought it was just as a standalone, this was uh, a great, great issue mm-hmm. with a really great story. And I love the, like, the, the gall of fucking Hickman. He's like, I haven't done an issue in, in a year of this very early series. I know the first thing I'm going to do is just do a backstory for a bunch of characters, like start mm. a backstory, which is then going to be continued in another issue that probably won't come out for four fucking years. I love Classic it. Hickman. I love, and I love how like Hickman is one of the most fun people to follow on Twitter because he like, he's never, I don't think he's ever going to finish shield, which like, I really like shield. It would be cool to see that finish, but I don't know. Like I'm not the kind of person to try and pressure creators into doing stuff, but he, um, he posted something like, uh, I actually have finished the final issue of Shield, but I was going to delay it for a year for every person that complained. Yes. <laughs> so I'll be releasing it in like 200 years. Great. So great. Thanks, Hickman. <laughs> uh, he also put out a new issue of East of West this week. And um, that is the uh, ongoing book. Uh, issue 33 we got by Hickman uh, with art by Nick Tragoda and colors by Frank Martin. Again, l- l- letters by Russ Wooten on this one too. Great. The same letters that you see in Dying in the Dead, actually. Um, but... Uh, um, he has a very, very unique font that he only uses in his own books. It's also the exact same text. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane. Um, but, but this, um, you know, I guess one of the few criticisms you can have of Hickman reading his books month to month is sometimes, like, it doesn't really go where you think it's going to go and, and you don't have any of the questions answered from the last issue. Mm-hmm. And then you wait a long time again for the next one and then he finally answers them and you're like, what were, they an- what were they the answers to again? I can't remember. But mm. this gives, this issue gives so much, just an incredible endpoint to uh, a character that's been, um, you know, a big part of this series from the from the get go, um, a couple characters actually, um, and it was uh, immensely satisfying. Nice. Um, so yeah, this uh, East of West is about, you know, the f- future uh, world in which America has been split up into different factions and everyone is at war and there's uh, the return of the um, the like pestilence and death and apocalypse and all that kind of shit. It's really fun. fun. So much fun. It's uh, it's very very dark but Hickman great, is the great best stuff. at like a really long payoff like he had his plan for the marvel universe like it was like a 10 year plan and so seeing stuff that like kind of annoying for new readers but so satisfying Absolutely. if you've been reading from the beginning of his fantastic four run to see stuff that happened in the beginning of that payoff 10 literally 10 years later <laughs> you could have uh, finished that sentence four words in hickman is the best hickman is the best <laughs> um sun bakery number three um, is uh, the third issue of the comic book anthology magazine put out by Corey Lewis. Who... I flip and love this book. It's so silly and it's great. It's so it's such a like um like I think he does such a better example of that kind of slightly anarchic stoner comedy book than the Jim Marfood one that yes, we 100%, um, it's a reviewed great... last week. Yep, definitely. Girl like Scouts. the first the first um story in this uh, is called Layered Jacket and it's something like he put out in a zine like years ago and he goes, I have a layered jacket. Anything I can imagine can I can pull out of my jacket. Only problem is I'm not that creative <laughs> or maybe I'm too creative. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's sick. It's so funny. It definitely reads like something someone wrote for a zine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a great thing. Um, the, the This is like this collection of like this these bizarre sto- stories that uh, – have like you know like somewhat simple fun art um and then very intricate um Mm. you know backgrounds and stuff like that on other pages colors are really simple but effective um the writing is endlessly entertaining and silly and and, and, you know uh, you know huge 
sci-fi concepts and then, mm-hmm. you know, really, really uh, juvenile humour as well. Yeah, it's sort of like um, if you like Brandon Graham's work, this has a lot of similar themes. I think they're influenced by a lot of similar sort of um, like manga, manga and stuff like that, and stuff, fighting yeah. games, things like that. Yep. Um, I love the character who's... <laughs> In the in the funny like weird sword universe where there's no guns but everyone has a sword, which I love. Yep. And her um, her catchphrase seems to be "I don't give a fuck." Yeah. No, it's <laughs> "I don't give a fuck." <laughs> it's great. And we get to see her backstory, which was really fun and like very felt very like anime to me. Yeah, definitely. In a really fun way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this book. The colors are so incredible the black and white stories are amazing um little one page stories about like a chick and her giant robot flying through space like it's just like like a weird kind of take on metroid yeah yeah just really exceptional i really love it um i uh i think you know we we sing the praises of single issues and supporting your comic book store as much as possible Mm. this is a book that absolutely should be read in a single issue format. Yeah. I don't think this would be as effectively fun in trade. Agreed. <coughs> get the trade when it comes out. But then also get the single issues of the ones after it. Or try and track down the ones the ones that have already come out so far. It's going to be an awesome collection to look back on when it's all wrapped up. Yep. 25 Agreed. years from now. <laughs> it's awesome stuff. Agreed. Corey Lewis is the best. I, I look forward to this hopefully like leading to him getting a bunch of new projects sent his way. Yeah, that would be really cool. Because I could kind of, I kind of, you know, in the same way that we've been loving um, Aliens Dead Orbit by James Stokoe, imagine him getting, being given like aliens for a a miniseries or something like that. could be awesome. Yep. Or Predator or, you know, one of those. But even just like, just working on a new (gasps) ongoing story at Image would be really sick. Yeah, definitely. But also just doing this. some more Shark Knife. (laughs) Shark Knife's great. Um, I also read uh, the second issue of Redneck this week. Same. By Donny Cates and Lissandro Esterin, with um, colours by Dee Caniff. Um And um, this is the book about uh, vampires who have learnt to put their cravings on hold and try and give back to the humans because of how much uh, life they took from humans in the past. Mm-hmm. Vampires in general. Uh, it's set in Texas. Um, and I always like, I look at this and I, I see the first few pages and I was like, oh, I don't like this book. And then I'm always wrapped. Like, I'm like, oh no, I do like it by the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting, like, you know, we've seen a lot of books set in the South in that sort of like redneck society since, um, Southern Bastards, since Southern Bastards started. And you sort of think like, oh, I'm bored of this and I'm bored of vampire books, but this is a really clever concept. And at the core of it, it has like a really strong sort of heartfelt message about family and stuff like that and I think it um I think it's really effective and I think it's really great. Yeah, and like you know it, it, it makes the smallest amount of effort to be a to to not be a book that's only about gruff old dudes doing gruff old dude duties. There's yeah, one one female character in it, <laughs> but she holds herself differently to every other character in this book and yeah. I think when they finally do give her a breakout issue, I think this will really this book will really come into its own. Yeah, absolutely. Also, there's a sad dedication to his cat at the end of this issue. Yeah, that was sad. Also, a preview of um, a new book called Kill the Minotaur in the back, written by Chris Passetto and art by Christian Cantamessa, I think. Um, it doesn't really specify who's on which duties, but this is all about the um, the Minotaur and like all those sort of characters. Greek, Greek, Greek god stuff. Greek yeah. god stuff, and it looks... Really good. I'm really excited about this one. Siobhan just loves sandals. I love dudes in sandals and skirts, guys. <laughs> um, that's coming to you uh, through Image via Skybound, which is what Redneck is published under too. Yeah, cool. Robert Kirkman's little imprint. Um, plastic 
issue two we got this week as well. This is the uh, ridiculously disgusting um, book that uh, is written by uh, Doug Wagner uh, with art by uh, Daniel Hilliard, colors by Laura Laura. Martin. Um, This is about a uh, ex like secret services CIA agent kind of type of dude who now um, just wants to live a quiet life with his blow up sex doll. But things keep getting in his way and he ends up having to kill everybody in disgusting ways. And I think she's more of like a real doll than a sorry than a blow up doll. My bad. Yeah, I, Look, I, I, I wasn't assuming his doll. <laughs> his the type of his doll. Um, this book like is like every time I talk about it or think about it, I get like the grossest smile on my face. Because it's like it's disgusting. This is such a disgusting book, but I love it. It is like like every page you're like, Oh, that's horrible. This is horrible. I'm disgusted. I want more. Yeah. Has, like, whenever someone dies, they don't just, like, take a bullet or, like, you know, get stabbed in the heart and that's that. Like, he'll hack someone's entire head off. Yeah. And we're subjected to, like, the most disgusting onomatopoeia. Like, yeah. srack, srock, srack, pack, pack, pluck. Like, it's just, like, like, awful noises that you can imagine someone, like, a, like you know, taking someone apart. It's no yeah. good. And he's the hero of this book. Like, really, yeah, like... Yeah, and, and you kind of empathise with yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, even as he's driving around in a car with a dead sheriff in the seat next to him... Who, who he talks to. ...hallucinating yeah. a conversation with, um, he's still the guy... He's he's the guy, you know, standing up for the girl who works in the donut shop being sexually harassed, not the guy doing the sexual harassment. Yeah, um, this is a really, really disgusting series and uh, I'm going to keep reading it, even though it's the worst. Uh, yeah. Like, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it is it is disgusting and it is the best and I can't wait for more of it. And they always will do like a preview of like like the, a black, some black and white um, pencils for the, for the next issue and it's, they always just pick the most disgusting frames from the next issue. I know, like there's a page there that's like a chick getting splashed in the face with something and it looks horrible. <laughs> I can't wait. Real fun, everybody. Get plastic. Uh, did you read issue two? Was it issue three, issue three now of the Magdalena? I sure did, um, but I only read half of it because I decided halfway through that I couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah, I made it through half of issue two and was like, oh, I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way that Siobhan's going to feel a month from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, n- not anything against anyone involved or like really anything to do with the book. It's just, it's just not heaps for me, I think. Yep. End of story. R.I.P. R.I.P. Let's go to Remender Corner. Rick <laughs> Remender wrote two books this week. Um, one of them I have not read yet, but Siobhan has, and that book is Seven, Seven to, to Eternity. Eternity. Issue? Um, issue six. I still don't heaps know what's going on in this book. <laughs> is, that, is that fair? Or am I an idiot? I mean, you, you're, you'd be less of an idiot if you didn't say, I don't heaps know what's going on. <laughs> um, like, it's... I think I think a it would be of use if I had every issue before it to read before I got to the new issue because um, it's a pretty confusing sort of weird sci-fi fantasy book. Well, it's like a hard hard fantasy, and every character belongs to a race that has its own like you know long fragmented story, yeah. and it gives you pieces of each of their histories along with you know what each of them want to set out to do and blah blah blah. It's a lot to take in each issue. I think it's a, it's a it's a good book, but yeah, and there's some really good character development in this issue, and some you know our lead character really compromises himself in some very fundamental ways that's really hard to read, which I think is a pretty classic Remenda thing to do. Um, and uh, Jerome Pena is very very good at imagining this sort of really rich sci-fi world, fantasy sci-fi. You know what I mean, guys? Yeah. 
I'll read that on the train home from this episode. I just, I, I, I read it. No, I didn't read it because it's one of those books. I had limited time. Yeah. I, I only didn't get through like maybe four books this week. It did pretty it's really good. Impressive. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those books where it's like, yeah, well, what more can I say that I didn't say last time I reviewed one yeah, of these exactly. issues? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a good book, but yeah. But we also got a new issue of Deadly Class, issue 28. God. By Rick Remender and Wes Craig. Um, Still some of the best art. Of and any book. incredible colours as well. We never shout Jordan Boyd on colours out too. He, he does. He's such an integral part of this book. And Russ Wooten, again. Oh, I love saying his name. It's so fun. Did he do the letters in Seven to Eternity too? Yes, he did. You didn't give him a shout out. Oh my Sean. God, I feel bad. I, I, I don't like the font actually in Seven to Eternity. It's my least favorite <laughs> thing about the book. Um, I love the font on Deadly Class. Yeah, it's really good. This is like, th- so much happened in this issue. Holy moly. But again, moves at a be- beautifully breezy and fun pace. Yep. We, we, we learn things that Marvel would spend an entire miniseries explaining, mm. um, you know, f- from, from past events of Deadly Class. We learn things over the course of maybe four panels. Like very important uh, things are learned that, you know, um, regarding uh, people who, like main characters who we thought were dead that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a tragic realization that someone that I thought maybe was also alive isn't. Yep. That was a really. Heart heartbreaking moment for me as well. Um, um, yeah, I thought this was like like such a solid issue, and you know, there's there's always a bit of char- uh, character development. I kind of would love to get to see more of the new class. Um, yeah, that we sort of were introduced to this year because I really love those characters. But I'm heaps into like every everything that's happening in this book at the moment. I really love, and the art continues to be like really exceptional. I feel so bad for Sire. I know, but I love her. I love I love what's going on in her story arc. It's really rough, but it's 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 really good. And it was so good to see. Is it Maria? Mm-hmm. It was so good to see Maria. Absolutely. She's such a good character too. Really. Um, yeah, great great series. Daily Class is like one of those ones. I'm like, yes, a new chapter of this ridiculously yeah. crazy story. Every time, it's such a it's such a joy. Um, another one that I'm always excited to see is Ray Fork's Underwinter issue three. Came Underwinter. Out you didn't get around to this one. I yet. will. I will. Um, but this it's is a long like, train ride home, everybody. I'll get it. I'll get there. Um, this is like the terrifying fever dream <laughs> type comic. Um, this one has a lot of um, weird sex games in it. So that seems to be like a ongoing sort of um, thing of this book. And it's pretty much just seeing how the this quartet of um, musicians they're invited to these weird parties where they have to perform blindfolded and now we're just seeing like the the weird way that that is impacting their lives that they're not even aware of um and you know they they think that all this money is bringing them you know making their lives significantly better and it's it's clearly not it's very compromised um and i i think this is such a like this is such a different book yeah it's like, it's truly unique the the sort of weird um, watercolors, everything's really indistinct. It's not really so like... minimalist from an art point of view. Like if you told yeah. me that he actually drew this while he was dreaming, yeah, like with his knees, <laughs> I'd believe you. In a good way though, he has very talented knees. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so like, I feel like it's the kind of book where we're not really gonna get like solid answers to things, and I'm half like, oh, I wish I did get solid answers because I'm so interested. But also, it's just very compelling the way it is, and I'm, I'm heaps enjoying it. Heaps enjoying it. <laughs> hey, again, what, 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 I don't even know how, what, how what, what type sense? of uh, word what does that heaps mean? is in that regard. You guys know what I mean. Those are our image books for the week. What's that a preview of at the back? Wow, that was Regression. Great. Regression. That one we already read. Oh, yeah, cool. I like that. Cool. That was good. Sweet. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Marvel, Marvel books now. There's a big stack of them. Um, I want to talk about something at the top. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a series that we dropped, but I picked this up because it's the 150th issue. 
<coughs> and as we all know, Marvel now refused to do books that have more than four issues. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to see 150 on the cover. Yeah. And that's that's the classic thing that um, both Marvel and DC do where they go back to like the original numbering or like how many issues there have been. So this is the 150th issue of Venom, even if we were only up to like issue eight of the current series or something if like that. that. If They're that. counting everything. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Right. Um, it's still a feat to have uh, 150 issues out with the word Venom on Who the front. Who would have thought that you could make 150 issues worth of stories about the gloopy, the gloopy guy? So this uh, this issue has, is still being written by series regular Mike Costa, um, and the reason I picked it up was obviously uh, the the art on this. Even the though bulk the, of the story, the cover is crap. I don't know why you would have Trad Moore, who does the uh, incredible art within the main story in this issue, do the art and then not have. Chad Moore do the cover too. Yeah, he did a variant. Okay, I'll have to track that one down. Chad Moore is um, one of our favourite artists. He shows up uh, nowhere near as much as I would love him to. Um, I highly recommend the Luther Strode series that he uh, did the art on. That was kind of like his, his I think maybe the first comics he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found, Justin Jordan found him on, on Tumblr or something ridiculous. Deviant art, I think. Um, and I, I'm, I loved his um, Ghost Rider series. I thought that was like... Just so, so exceptional, so beyond what that book could be, you know? And he's one of my favorite artists to follow on Instagram because he always does like hints at things that he's working on in the future. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's just variant covers. Yeah. Uh, he's currently doing the great covers on the Secret Warriors series over at yep. Marvel. Um, but uh, yeah, he's been putting up Venom related stuff for the last few months and uh, it's because he's been working on the story in this issue, which is basically um, the, uh, the original um, inhabitant of the Venom suit um, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. Uh, basically, it's the reunion between the two of them. He has the the Venom, the symbiote suit now. Uh, I don't know what the fuck happened to the the guy that was the main character in this series. Me neither. Probably died. The R.I.P. R.I.P. That guy. This is uh, this story is like a celebration of 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 Eddie and Venom and their early like you know adventures and the the power struggle between the two of them and. And they uh, refer to each other as my love. And it's, it's really like, because it starts off um, like, this is a love story. Which is, someone was like, oh, that's how one of the Spider-Man movies started. Right. Which is kind of a funny, like, it's a funny little um, callback, little reference. But this, like, like this- a, f- a fun issue story-wise, but just... Ugh. Like, Tradmore is so good. Tradmore is so, so good. If you like line work, um, and I'll, I'll talk about how good the line work is in uh, Jeff Darrow's art later on, but like... Yeah, wow. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they... I, mean, I think Tradmore does, you know, he's like a classic artist, like all pencils and, and, and then etc. <laughs> you know how <laughs> art works, but you know, he's not, I don't think he's creating these digitally is what I'm saying. But uh, like, whatever, like... However I mean, he does it, it's the best. Um, incredible. It's so creative. It's so His expressive. and so expressive. You know, the reason he doesn't do much is because you can tell it takes a fucking long amount of work to yeah. every, all these, you know, if, if, when most artists do an explosion, it'll, you know, take them a couple hours. You can tell Chad Moore spends a good week on an explosion yeah. drawing every little expressive line and, and shockwave. And- everything has so much, like, movement. Like, someone, you know, someone is punched and you can see the lines of where they're where they're going and where they hit and how they get there like it's it's unbelievable and there's one panel which i wanted to put up as my favorite panel of the week because it's just when the venom suit starts coming out of eddie and it starts leaking from his eyes and mouth and it's like 
really horrifying. Very like but manga incredible. horror as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Oh gosh, I love this. So look, even if you have an unreading Venom or you don't even care about the character, you just want really crazy, exciting comic book art, definitely pick this issue up because Tradmore is a is a gem. But this is the sort of thing that like I wish that Marvel would um uh put a bit of like cuz you know people people will pick up a Tradmore book on the basis of it being a Tradmore book, you know? And I sort of wish that I know he's an artist that takes a long time, but I wish that Marvel would um give him the space and the time and put enough um, faith in him to give him a book, a regular book, you know? Sure. I don't know if that's what I think that he wants. Maybe he's being offered heaps of stuff and he's turning it down. But, um, yeah, I would I would, I would, love to see him do interiors more regularly. I just want to see him do something. Yeah. As much as whatever he wants to do. His covers are great, but, yep. like, yeah, yeah. he's such a talented storyteller as well. Agreed, yeah, yeah. And the colors on this by Philippe um, Sobrero are also really exceptional, I think. Agreed. Um, the backup story in this is uh, Robbie Thompson and Gerardo Sandoval, who did the uh, Venom Space Knight um, run, which is the run before this current series of Venom, mm-hmm. um, which featured uh, none other than Flash Thompson. Um, as the symbiote, so it was like the what the marine kind of version of, of Venom mm-hmm. that uh, like Rick Remender started. Um, I really loved Rick Remender's run, but I didn't read the Space Knight series. But um, I guess uh, no one really knew what happened um, between the Space Knight series and uh, and this current series of Venom. Why uh, Flash Thompson lost the suit, and uh, they 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 tell that story as a backup. It's not very interesting, but it's kind of oh, there you go. That's what happened. Mm. And there was another fun little sort of really classic seeming Venom story, which I. I quite enjoyed. Yeah, that was fun. So we got out on that one too. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, Venom 150, worth picking up just for the Treadmore. Uh, yep. And if you like Venom 2, hey, what a bonus. <laughs> um, we got a whole bunch of Marvel books to talk about. Yep. Uh, I'm going to try and find the good ones and then we can get into the bad. Nice. Secret Warriors, number two by Matt Rosenberg. And uh, who does art on this one? God, I love the Garon. art. Garon. Uh, Javier Garon, which I get, you know, it's all, it, there are similarities to Tradmore in his work sometimes. Not really. Don't worry about it. Ne- next thing. <laughs> next point. Uh, this is the great little uh, kind of Inhumans team of Quake, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, Ms. Marvel, Inferno, Karnak, and one more to be revealed in this issue potentially. Maybe not. Um, but uh, it, it it fills in a lot of like between the panel stuff from the Secret Empire series, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, I think, oh, no, I don't want to read that. But I actually really do. I think Matt Rosenberg has a, a great, great handle on balancing all of that stuff with just like really fun character moments yep, between absolutely. this very, you know, diverse bunch of characters. Um, he Whenever he uses Karnak, like pretty much every Every line Karnak says, or every line that is delivered towards Karnak, had me like, la- like genuinely laughing out yeah. loud. It's a very funny series. A funny and also like, like it feels like a proper adventure. Like this is a book that feels like there's genuine stakes in what they're doing, um, which is like shockingly hard to do in contemporary superhero comics because we're so used to like large scale destruction and death. But this feels there's something about this that feels really earned in everything that happens, and mm-hmm. every injury feels very like oh gosh that could actually mean something. And like I even like you know uh, a character is uh, Dante who like who cares about Dante but used really effectively in this and he wakes up after a battle and um you know the the team fills him in on what's happened while he's been unconscious and it's not the sort of glamorous you know superhero like oh they don't get a jet they're like you know they steal a trailer and Dino- <laughs> devil dinosaur is kind of balanced on the back yeah <coughs> they're using a great comedic effect in the, in the book yeah <coughs> i also loved um they bump into the Howling Commandos. Yep. Uh, obviously, I'm Dum Dum Dugan's group, who are, of course, working for Hydra. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when uh, 
when when we you know we see them introduced by um by Quake saying you know oh we have to deal with and you know how when they when they say the characters' names it'll come up in like a different font so mm-hmm. where they would say like the Howling Commandos and it will be in like the Howling Commandos logo or whatever mm. but instead she says these fucking idiots and it's written <laughs> in like a big glorious text so it's great very funny. Yeah, really good. Some really great moments. I like this book a lot. And Man Thing's in it, everybody. Man Thing. And Everyone loves Man Thing. Most Man excitingly, we uh, they're, they're they're trying to track down the X Men. At the end, they they finally track down a very very different crew of X Men. I mean, you know, there are some. This is a great team, though. So it's Beast. Um, I think that might be Boom Boom. Right, and then Forge. I think that's Forge. Ma- Magic. Um, Archangel. Archangel, and then Strong Guy. Strong Guy, who uh, is one of my most beloved mutants, and it's so good to see him, especially he's got with a his, beard. yeah, like a, a, a serious old man beard. I love it. I hope he's the the new the, the, the character they're going to introduce in this series. That's really really fun. If so, that would be heaps fun. <laughs> especially because it doesn't really cater to anyone but like diehard fans. Yeah, but see, like this is a book that like it has it, it you know there's these characters aren't top tier Marvel characters but if this was your first introduction to any of these characters I think that would be really solid and I think you would still get a lot out of this book agreed great series everybody go read it Secret Warriors with Tradmore on the cover but not interiors Damn but it. still good interiors. Good interiors. Uh, Black and ba- sorry, Black. I said Blackton Panther, like Captain America. <laughs> um, Black Panther number fourteen by uh, Tanahisi Coates, uh, with awesome art by Wilfredo Torres and Jason Burrows helping out on pencils. Um, yep, and then uh, diff- and, and on inks too with Terry Pellet. Um, colors by Laura Martin. This uh, introduces uh, a new enemy for T'Challa to uh, to take on, Doctor Faust. Great, um, I love that. And uh, I thought uh, this was just a, a really, really fun. Felt like this series getting increasingly more and more comic booky with each issue, mm-hmm. which I'm all for. Yeah, um, like I don't know a huge amount about any of these kind of um, Black Panther universe characters, and I think he's introducing them in a really, really good ways that are really useful. And then there's a nice little bit in the background that actually tells you, um, in the back matter, sorry, that tells you who these guys are which I found useful because I didn't know who any of them were. Yeah. Um, I liked his, he seems to be taking a lot from Christopher Priest's Black Panther run, which yep. I didn't realize was so beloved. I remember yeah, I re- need to read I remember, it. I remember like, looking up, like, you know, what's good Black Panther runs, like, you know, five, ten years ago or whatever, mm. and um, finding a lot of negativity towards Priest's run. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously, if Tanahitsi Coates is a big fan, I feel like maybe I need... And, I mean, a lot of people in our group are too, so mm. I'm gonna, that's going to be one of the things. When I finally get uh, some downtime to read an older series, <laughs> that, that might be the first thing I read. Um, I also love that you know, this is apparently a series that's been taken on by a lot of people that don't read many Marvel books. Yeah. But God, this ties into so many old Marvel events and, and totally. issues and like, you know, especially Hickman's Avengers stuff too, which is uh, always good for me. But I don't know what, how, how a new reader would kind of take to that kind of tie-in stuff. Yeah, if it's introducing people to Marvel Universe in like a really interesting way, I'm all for it. I also feel like this is the best usage of the like uh, Council of Elders concept that um, Black Panther, where he can sort of consult with the he was the, he was the, past king, he was the king of the dead for a while. So yeah, um, I think Tanahisi Coates does a really good like uses them really effectively. Agreed, agreed, love it. New catchphrase. Agreed. Let's talk about Steve Rogers, Captain America, number seventeen. Why not? Because it sucks. It didn't really suck. It was it was all right, but. <laughs> Nick Spencer um, continues uh, his um, Secret Empire story, which I've been enjoying the Secret Empire series. We get a third yeah. issue of it next week. It's very silly. I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, but uh, the Captain America stuff kind of fills in the gaps um, in, in, the, in the main series. And 
we hear this is the most part. This is basically a, it's a returning character who we saw in the uh, original Civil War series uh, interviewing Captain America, um, and she returns to interview Captain America, who is now like you know the head, the of fascist Hydra. ruler of the world. And uh, this book is like you know it's kind of fun because it kind of tells like you know m- some more events from the point of view of Captain America, but he's like like a, a real dick. And yeah. I think that the thing that annoys me most about this series is that I feel like in the past, Cap, while he's obviously like, this is not the Cap that we know and love, it's still similar and his positions are kind of defendable and he's not just like a straight up dick. And in this, he kind of is. Yeah. And he's just sort of like, no, you can't ask me these questions. Like, like it's just very, like, it's, it seems like a change in tone for the character, which I sort of am, like, disappointed in. Yeah, so after we get some kind of cool moments, like, we, we, we learn why Magneto is okay with all this Hydra stuff, because uh, Captain America has just given him the Red Skull's skull. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, He's like, oh, sick. And also there's, a, there's, a, there's a Zorn reference as well. Yeah, Zorn reference. Um, we find out sort of what's going on in the weird inhuman internment camp. <laughs> which is, yeah. Uh, pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, there's just like this. Uh, Nick Spencer is not subtle. And th- is this the, is the, is my the main criticisms thing. from this are like when he makes fake news references. Yeah, and then he even says like, like you know, after um, the reporter is like you know basically like taken off the air because she asks one question related to the, the Las Vegas bombings. Mm. Um, he stands up and like you know they, they, they turn the cameras off and she's gonna put like you know he say that you violated um, you know and compromised national security take her away mm-hmm. and she says you can't do this you can't just arrest a journalist for asking a question people will find out about this and he says I'm sure you're right Miss Floyd I imagine people on Twitter will be furious <laughs> and it's just like Ugh. like Nick Spencer you silly man I think you know I don't know if you are someone who is desperate for like a, a mirror version of real world events mm. um, you know and, and for whatever reason you can't find them literally fucking everywhere <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe this was really fun for yeah, you yeah if read, the but... real world isn't horrifying enough for you right now just get it just get another dose of it in Captain America I anyway. think I think the thing that's frustrating about this series for me is I think it would be so much more satisfying I'm not I'm not opposed to like like you know, for all of I don't love Mark Millar, Superman Red Sun is a like is a fun read. Like that's yeah. a that's a fun book. And I think that if this was just a standalone series that was like self contained like that, just like an Elseworlds book, I think it would probably be a more satisfying read. But the fact that it has to be this big event makes it just that much harder to balance and just less fun. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Um, anyway, Secret Empire issue number three coming soon, and the next cover of uh, Captain America has him battling Namor. Namor gets referenced a lot I in think... all these books. Like Namor comes up in um... another book we're going to talk about later on. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, Jean Grey. Let's yeah, about yeah, that next. Yeah. Fuck, this was a good issue. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of ragged on Jean Grey number one by Dennis Hopeless um, and uh, Victor Ivanez. We hate uh, books about sassy young women. Apparently, uh, no, it was just boring. Um, like all sassy young women, JK, <laughs> they're great. Um, but uh, I just thought it was a, just a bit nothing. It just yeah. like you know, it was her uh, in Tokyo, kind of battling characters yeah. that didn't really matter. And then she learns that the Phoenix is coming. Who gives a shit? Yeah. In this issue, Jean Grey uses Cerebro to contact every mutant who has once been a carrier of Phoenix. Because no one believes her that the Phoenix is coming, and she's freaking out. Cause she's like, "Look, I I saw what happened when the Phoenix came for." Previous 
old Jean Grey, and yep. I don't want that to happen for obvious reasons. Uh, and so she contacts Colossus and um, Rachel Grey and Magic and Quentin Quire and and Hope, and uh, ends up like going to help Hope um, fight some Reavers. And uh, they have a great moment where um, Hope said, "You know, uh, people people said I look like you," and then they're like, "I don't see it," which is great. That was um, fun. And then they. Uh, all of the other Omega level mutants who have held onto the Phoenix um, transport to to assist them take down a bunch of Reavers, and it's this really fun battle in which Quentin Quire basically takes Jean Grey out of the battle and puts her into everyone's minds, and so that they she can see firsthand what the effects of have, of, of being a Phoenix carrier has been. And it's you know it's funny, it's tragic, it's sad, it's entertaining, it's just. It's marvelly. It's just a celebration of of, of X Men and comic books, and I loved it. Yeah, and it was really fun because I had totally lost track of where Hope was in the yeah Marvel me universe. Me too. I didn't even know she was around. Yeah, and I like I really like her as a character, and I really liked um this sort of revisit with her. And it, I think it would be heaps cool if we got to see um like a Jean Grey Hope team up. <laughs> yeah, well, we're getting a Cable series. Maybe Hope will p- kind of. Yeah. Going to that. James Robinson is writing that this week. And then the on the final page it says next friggin' Namor. Yeah, so she after after all of the um Phoenix carriers don't really give her the uh, advice she needs, she learns that she has to go track down the one mutant who might be able to get her to take down uh Phoenix once and for all, Namor. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm heaps into it. Awesome. I'm so um, conscious of how often I say heaps now. <laughs> it's great. We're gonna, I'm going to call this episode heaps. Great. <laughs> uh, all new Guardians of the Galaxy number two. That's right. It's the that rogue bunch of space guys once again. Jerry Duggan and Aaron Cuda on this uh, book. We really loved issue one. Issue two, I thought was fine. Um, I yeah. don't. I, I, I they just kind of furthered the plot a bit more, but I uh, I didn't find it as funny as the first issue, and um, uh, I didn't find the Groot stuff as like interesting as like it teased in the first issue but it's yeah. still fine and I'm still going to read it yep agreed that's my review nice um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy number 4 by Jim Stalin Alan Davis Mark Farmer and Matt Yaki uh, is ridiculous and silly and extremely like 80s era Marvel um, but uh, it's goofy and funny and um, uh, I'm going to give a proper review when the final issue comes out next, mo- next week nice so it's been a fun little mini series that comes out once a week uh for five weeks, hmm. fun stuff. For some reason, I read issue two of Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, the um, by that? Peter David and uh, Mark Bagley. So from the past, this is a book from the past and reads like a book from the past, um, not necessarily in a good way. Where, where, whereas um, Guardians of the Galaxy: Mother Entropy reads from the past in a very good way. It's like you can, it's just because you know it's limited and clearly referencing mm. something that once was. It's fine, but yeah, with this one, it's trying to fit into the, the modern day Marvel universe, and I just found that first issue so tedious. Was the second any better? No, so I'm going to stop reading it. That's at the end. Cool, great, great review. Um, X Men Blue um, by Cullen Bunn <coughs> with art by Julian Lopez. Just the cover by Art Adams is the best thing ever. Oh god, it's such Adams. a good cover. Me too. I mean, yeah, everyone loves Art Adams. Again, yeah, I know it's not like a controversial <coughs> opinion. Okay, again, like Trad Moore, someone I would love to see on Interiors more. But yeah, absolutely. Hey, if we if all we get is covers, that ain't that bad. Um, but uh, this this series has been quite good, um, and uh, really felt like the kind of the more the more classic of the X books that really harkening back to a, a mm-hmm. time that once was. And I feel like you know criticizing anything in the X Men world for not being X Meny. It's impossible because the X-Men have done so many ridiculous things. And so yeah. whenever anything ridiculous happens, it's like, oh, well, even though this isn't the direction I wanted to go in, it's still referencing an era of X-Men stuff. You know, they introduce it. 
a new character and then people from another world show up at the end. And of course it's X-Men as hell, but I just don't want that from an X-Men book at the moment. So I sort of enjoyed this issue. It didn't like it it didn't blow my mind. Um but it was it was like pretty good fun and like if it's gonna be a young X-Men team, they might as well have a fucking young <laughs> young Wolverine as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that was clever. I actually thought that would have been funny if it was the original young Wolverine from their team transported to now. That would have been really funny. Um, especially if it was like as basic as he was when he when he was first a part of the Marvel Comics universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, instead it's someone from the the new Marauders, not from this universe. Uh, it's fine. It's one of those books again. It's like like the, like was it Batgirl or something? Whatever. Whatever. No, Detective. Mm-hmm. This has kind of become like Detective Comics for me, and that it's just like, oh yeah, I'll read it. Yeah, it's I don't, just it doesn't really matter if I love it or, or like it. Um, although I will point out one weird error. At one point, um, Iceman is like eating chicken or something in a bar, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have a mouth. Look, he's done, he doesn't. Where's his mouth gone, Siobhan? Oh, that is weird. He's got no mouth. So uh, that's uh, my new segment: no mouth watch. <laughs> um, not to be confused with uh, my other segment: no mouthwash. <laughs> and that's when Siobhan refuses to record with me because my breath stinks. Never happened, guys. No, it's not, damn it. <laughs> uh, Infamous Iron Man number eight by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev and Matt Hollingsworth. I really like this series. I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm on board. And Wayne, who was sitting next to me in the King's Comics office, was the first to say, this is a good book. And I was like, fuck you, Wayne. You're an idiot. <laughs> but guess what? So am I. And uh, I like this book a lot. Uh, it deals with... Uh, <laughs> it deals with uh, Reed Richards p- potentially coming back to the Marvel Universe, or oh, at least cool. some version of him. It's weird because we were led to believe that that Reed Richards, who who is uh, talking to Ben Grimm, and basically he tells Ben Grimm that he has to kill, um, has to kill Doctor Doom, oh, no matter what the cost, no matter how good his intentions appear to be, you have to kill him. Um, and he, it all checks out. It seems like this is the original Reed Richards return to the Marvel Universe, but with murderous intent. The front cover. Has him has Iron, has uh, Doctor Doom fighting the Maker, the Maker, who is the ultimate version of uh, of Reed Richards. So Lower I don't I don't understand what the fuck that's meant to be. I don't mm. know why you put that cover in it just to confuse people, but whatever. Mm. Um, that wasn't Bendis's fault. I'm sure he doesn't pick the covers. Uh, the most of this book is really fun. There is a genuinely like what the hell uh, cliffhanger at the end, um, where an, an old Tony Stark shows up looking what like the, the Sorcerer Supreme. What? That's intriguing as hell, though. That's a great cliffhanger. It yeah, makes no sense. Great... I want to know how we got to that point. But um, the the bulk of this issue is the meeting up of uh, of both of the new Iron Men. So um, Victor Von Doom and um, Ironheart, aka Riri Williams. Riri Williams. Um, I almost said Riri Richards. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, and they meet up, and it's it's really cool because I mean, you know, Bendis is writing both those characters, and and the, their voices is strong. When they have a great meetup and, and you like both characters in their in their talk, their interactions. Um, basically, uh, Von Doom asks Riri to just uh, just beat the shit out of him so he can have a vision. Oh, okay. Which is really cool and weird. weird. I like this book. Molly's art's great. Um, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me four hundred times. I'm reading a Brian, <laughs> Brian McElbender's book again. <laughs> um, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, number eight. By um, Robbie Thompson with Javier Rodriguez. This book ended up being so good. Yeah, heaps fun, right? I'm glad I stuck with it. Um, all it took was you telling me that was a choose your own adventure issue, and <laughs> I started reading it again. Um, so easy. But you should is, just say that about everything. Yeah, 
there is just a uh, yeah. Read a lot more manga. Who said it was choose your own adventure? <laughs> um, but it's become it's it's now like you know Doctor Strange leading a weird magic team alongside the most of the Marvel universe. So mm. Robert Thompson is really like he's having his cake and eating it too. Like mm. there's like Howard the Duck's in this, Luke Cage is in this, all the Avengers are in this. Yeah, and. Uh, ends with kind of all the magic characters disappearing and it's up to the regular people to clean up the mess while the magic characters are stuck in a creepy world with a weird demon with hands for a mouth. Yeah, and hands for eyes and hands for every other yeah. possible thing. He's just hands on hands. Um, this is a great issue. And such good art and such crazy good colours. Yep. Who does the colours? Is it Laura Martin? No, Lopez. No, it's Belair. Jody Belair. Jody Belair. Inks by Alvaro Lopez. There you go. Um, yeah, there's a there's a page where they sort of enter someone else's memories or something like that. Oh, God, everything's like good. pink and purple, and it's just like really extraordinary. Super incredible. Um, and uh, it's got one more issue of this left. I cool. Think, so we can look back on this series when the final issue comes out. Nice. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur began a new arc called Girl Moon this week. This is the uh, all ages series by Brandon Montclair, Natasha Bustos, and Tamara Bonvian. Um, I loved this first issue of this arc so much more than the last arc, which was like her kind of going, it was, it was up and down. It was really good sometimes. Yeah. And then Totally Hawk was in it. Totally Awesome Hawk was in it. Way you too hate much. the Totally Awesome Hawk. I do. Um, he's totally over the top Hawk. <laughs> um, but uh, this is basically um, uh, Lunella, aka Moon Girl. Um, it gets contacted while she's doing a bunch of weird space contacting stuff. She hears a voice of a, a girl who is lost somewhere in space and uh, travels into space with Devil Dinosaur in a, a, a hilarious like pod <clears throat> that she like slingshots herself into space with. And then uh, as she finds the uh, the moon that she thinks the girl is stuck on, she realizes that the girl is not stuck on the moon. The girl literally is the moon. So yeah. this, uh, this, uh, this arc is called Girl Moon. And uh, I thought this was a beautiful issue. Yeah. It's- such Such a beautiful series to look at. And so like... Um, so freewheeling and imaginative and this, this book could go anywhere and Lunella is such a, a fun character who sort of acts on instinct and things like that. Yeah, I wonder if this book was just going to keep continuing because I know it sells really well on like scholastic uh, book clubs and that mm. kind of stuff um, for all ages readers. I think Marvel would be really stupid if they cancelled this. And Marvel's never been really stupid in the past, so <laughs> it'll be around forever. Hey, all right. There's all the Marvel books I read. Um, I also read issue 19 of the Totally Awesome Hulk. More like Totally Shut the Fuck Up Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Greg Pak with art by Robert Gill. Um, this ties into the other Greg Pak book, Weapon X. Mm-hmm. Which, it, like, I just sort of think this is a fun story arc. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yes, the Totally Awesome Hulk is a big cheese dick, but that's kind of Cheese his. dick or cheese stick? <laughs> I said cheese dick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really gross um, insult that my boyfriend uses all the time. Um, <laughs> to you? <laughs> all the time. It's really rude. Um, but I like, I sort of like that Amadeus Cho, you know, he's like, I'm the smartest guy on earth, but then he's like a total idiot in a lot of ways. And that's kind of satisfying and fun. And um, there's some pretty fun sort of interactions. Although, yeah, there's a couple of like poorly written moments, but um, it's pretty fun. I'm into it. Those are, I'm still going to read it because I'm an idiot. Those are our totally awesome Marvel reviews. And now we're going to review the totally awesome other publishers that we read books from this week. Nice. Um, first up is Dark Horse um, for... Uh, Three books I read from Dark Horse this week, and <clears throat> they were all very good. Uh, first up is The Shaolin Cowboy, Who'll Stop the Rain, by Jeff Darrow, who wrote and drew, and uh, and then Colors by Dave Stewart. Um, 
this is uh, the completely ridiculous uh, story of the Shaolin cowboy, who is Jeff Darrow's character, who is a Shaolin cowboy, uh, who so uses uh, who uses ninja skills um, to just kind of get through horrible things that life throws at him. And this is set in like the most disgusting city of all time. Like, if you um, like, I spent a really long time reading this issue because you want to read all of the stuff that's happening in the background. There's so many weird jokes. It's so ridiculous. Like, it's so disgusting. Yep. It's so intricate and action-packed and... Um, Funny. This So the last the last Shaolin Cowboy story, story series, sorry, was just six issues of him fighting zombies in the desert. Yeah. I was almost dialogue-free, save yep. for the first and last issue. Um, this one is, like, just so dialogue-heavy, and it made me re- realize that Jeff Darrow is such a gifted comedy writer. He really is. <laughs> um, and so basically a bunch of uh, animals kind of lead, live, like lead the crime um, mm. syndicates in New York. Is it New York? Is it in New York? Somewhere. I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's just in a really disgusting city. Yep. Wherever it is, it's dirty. There's people on the street. It's full of brothels. There's all these weird sex ads everywhere. But it's really like, it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. And, and all the animals are disgusting. Yep. And so the, the first um, the first animal that goes after him in this issue is a ginormous crab who has a, a car on its back that humans are inside and are trying to attack him. And once he takes him down using the aid of a gas station, uh, we then learn the backstory of a pig who, uh, whose, whose mother was killed by the Shaolin cowboy when it was a baby. Um, and and this is this... a giant, like a literal giant pig who has guns and knives um, dangling from his ears as earrings. Like earrings and, and, and nipples as well. Yeah. It's, insa- it's completely insane and crass and violent and... Just like, but also like, I would count it as an intelligent book as well. Like, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's definitely got like things that he's saying in this like ludicrous, disgusting book, um, and it's so fun. Yeah, if you there was that Anthony Bourdain book that he wrote for Vertigo a while ago that tried Get to show you? like, yeah, tried tried to show like you know, and that was about like a you know, Jiro was a sushi chef who was who also had blade skills and kills everybody, and it was mm. in this horrible f- future version of the most disgusting America America could be. I feel like this is way more successful in in in, in that critique of America, mm. um, way more entertaining at the very least. But um, Jeff Darrow <laughs> is better at making comics than Anthony Bourdain. Shocking, shocking <laughs> news. But give, give him a food series is what I'm saying. Yeah. Also, did you know, like in the in the back matter, um, Jeff Darrow gives a piece of original art to everyone who gets their letter published yeah except he only does one letter section per series yeah so you've got one chance to get it in and this was your chance and we all fucked up (laughs) (laughs) um this is a great book everyone should be reading it if you love incredible cartooning and and pencil work i'm 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 thinking about getting that the pencil art of jeff darrow book that um oh yeah dark horse put out worthwhile hopefully you can get it at kingscomics.com we'll definitely be getting that in (laughs) Um, also from Dark Horse this week, uh, one of our favourite series, Black Hammer, had its first issue without um, the main artist Dean Ormston mm-hmm. on board. Uh, instead, oh boy, we really had to, they really they really had to scrape the bottom of the yeah. barrel for this art. Uh, no, one of our favourite artists um, who we've uh, loved on Ether, which is another great Dark Horse book with Matt Kent, uh, David Rubin uh, filled in on this issue nine of Black Hammer, um, which is a uh, a. A, a series, sorry, an issue all about, sorry, I forget his name. It's like Dr. Strange, not Dr. Strange, Dr. Some, Dr. Colonel Weird. Colonel Weird. <laughs> Very different Close. to Dr. Strange. Um, um, also, just worth <laughs> noting that um, David Rubin also does the colours and letters on this because the colours are like, like if you've Phenomenal. seen his colours on Ether, you know exactly what you're in for. Yeah. 
So this is like a, a really fun, goofy sci-fi comic in which Colonel Weird meets uh, Talkie Walkie, his robot, um, for the first time. And then in current day, we see Colonel Weird, for whatever reason, kill Talkie Walkie, the robot. Yeah, so really like heart-wrenching. For a change. Yeah, like <laughs> like simultaneously fun and then really dark and heart heart-wrenching stuff from from Lemire as is his kind of vibe but for the most part this this is a very fun and, and kind mm. of silly issue of Black Hammer because Colonel Weird's regular adventures before he got stuck in this horrible town that they're all stuck in in Black Hammer uh, were crazy and out of this world mm. and um, I love when he first meets this robot who saves him from being killed by other robots he introduces himself as TLKE WLKE like dash E, mm. and um, he goes, right, talkie-walkie. And he says, no, 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 it's pronounced, and then he spells his name out again. He's like, right, talkie-walkie. And he's <laughs> like, oh, never mind. Like, it's like you, the human mind cannot comprehend robot speak. But, like, Jeff Lemire is so good at, um, like, Jeff Lemire could write a totally straight Golden Age feel superhero book. Um, yeah. But he just takes it that extra level in this book, and it's, it's really it's really amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got, we got Dean Ormston back um, on... Uh, on issue 10 and 11 and then David uh sorry David Rubin yeah is returning uh on issue 12 oh, great. for a one shot that focuses on Lucy um hunting for her father oh amazing <laughs> this is a great series we love it and uh it's so cool to see you know when an artist is replaced by an equally incredible artist that fits the tone of the book so well mm. um it's really great i recently also picked up um a copy of a book that David Rubin did um based on the Beowulf myth um I'm really geeked to check that out and I will hopefully have a review of that for you guys soon. Um, you bought it just before moving house. Yeah, because I'm just wacky like that. <laughs> I was like, I want to move an extra box of massive hardcovers. So I bought myself like the the Barbarella re-release that um, Kelly Sue DeConnick did. Right, yep. and, like, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. Awesome. I got some, some fun reviews for you guys soon. So my final Dark Horse book of the week is Depth, issue number 14 by Matt Kent and Charlene Kent. This is the story of a, uh, a uh, the daughter of a um, famous uh, scientist who worked beneath the ocean and into space. Uh, she's investigating the murder of her father uh, thousands of miles below the sea. And um, it's uh, been an incredible murder mystery with incredible glimpses of like science fiction and kind of marine study um, it's very high concept and, and, and crazy, but in a typically Matt Kent kind of fantastical way. And uh, in this one, as uh, as they as one of them sacrifices themselves so that the uh, four four remaining members can escape to the, to the to the surface in in a uh, final in a pod that can only fit four people, um, we learn something of the bigger world um, that this book is set in. Uh, it's all about the contagion races and. Uh. Different, uh, different like contagious viruses that different uh, countries unleashed on each other. Wow. However many years ago in this universe, hectic. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a great book. I mean, as if we needed another level level of depth in depth, but uh, Matt Kent gave it to us. It's a great That's book. Fun. Everyone should be reading this. It looks great. It uh, it it feels great too. It's mm. beautiful paper they print this on. Weird criticism. No, not criticism. Uh, compliment. Um, finally, from another publisher, I got two more finalists. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Boom, uh, Death Be Damned, issue four of four. This is the uh, kind of supernatural um, Western, Western book, Death, uh, Death Be Damned by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. And Andrew um, Miller. And Andrew Miller with art by Hannah Christensen. Colors by Juan Esqueche. Usque- Usque. Usque, thank you. Um, and uh, this yeah wrapped up this kind of weird uh, mystery of 
uh, a, a woman who keeps returning back from the dead um, and trying to get vengeance for the rest of her family who were killed by awful cowboys. Um, and there is a, is he like a shaman or something? Mm. Um, uh, who He's an undertaker slash shaman. <laughs> who is trying to bring his, find the soul of his dead wife and uses this, uh, this woman's ability to return from the dead to try and contact his wife. But we learn that she doesn't want to be returned from the, de- from the mm. death, maybe. How do you think you really enjoy the first issues of this? Were you satisfied with the wrap up? I think it was a really nice ending for this book. I think it was like a solid four issue mini. Um, I liked the way it ended. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe it didn't quite live up to the promise of the first issue for me, but um, still, still very enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I first mentioned this comic, I, I may have had a little whinge and said, uh, why can't I just get a regular Western comic about cowboys? And uh, upon hearing that, one of our listeners, uh, Travis Alexander from somewhere in the States, um, he said to, he said, he wrote in and said, I'm going to write a Western comic just for you. And uh, so he put it on he Kickstarter. Bloody well did it. Got Grey Coyote. Look I'm it so, up. I'm so impressed by someone who says they want to do something and just does it. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so he, he has like one day left on his Kickstarter. Um, and uh, he hit, he's well on a, he's a, a couple hundred bucks above his uh, his goal to uh, write and publish his own comic, Grey Coyote. Congrats. So well done, Travis. We look forward to reviewing that on First Things First on Series issues in the future. Yeah, I'm really excited. I imagine if we just cunts about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's actually really fucking sucks. I wish this was supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, this week, I read Exo Manowar issue three by Matt Kinn again. Woo! With art by Thomas Giarello and uh, extra art in the in the start of these, this book by David Mack. Really, which I thought was really cool. Which kind lovely of David telling the, the history of uh, some of the characters within this universe. <clears throat> this was uh, the most comic booky of this series. Uh, mm. The series has been so far very much like a you know kind of war battle comic, um, as Exo Man of War Arik um, kind of embraces the the killing lust side mm-hmm. of himself. Um, did you enjoy it? I did. It's a good I'm book. Still into it. I'm, I'm keen. Keen for the next issue. One of my favorite things about this book is Thomas Giarello's art, and issue four is a new arc without Thomas Giarello on it. Instead, we oh. get we get someone else who isn't Thomas Giarello. It is someone whose last name is no Doug Braithwaite. I don't know. I'm not familiar with his art, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Also, very excited about this other Valiant book called Secret Weapons, written yeah. by um, the guy who wrote um, oh, fuck. What was it? A sci-fi movie that everyone loved last year. <coughs> with, oh, I with, like Amy Adams in it. Uh, God Arrival? Yes. Oh. He wrote the Arrival script. He's writing Secret, secret that Weapons. That was a good movie. I didn't see it. I watched it You on didn't a plane. walk out of it? I watched it on a plane. It's the best way can't to watch walk movies. Out of it. No, you can't. You die. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these are our reviews for the week. But oh, Siobhan... I just wanted to quickly mention two things. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, because I missed it when it originally came out Heathen, issue three, uh, by Natasha Alterici. Alter- yes. Alterici. Alterici, um, and letters by Rachel Deering. This book is so flipping good, guys. Guys, this book is so good. Yeah, we love it's it. It's so good. You need to read it. End of review. Um, well, um, before we end it, um, uh, a friend, a, a listener of uh, of the podcast, Derek from Oklahoma, wrote to us and said that um, uh, another. He said another aside. He wrote me a, a, a bunch of cool messages, and he's apparently going to send a present our way soon, which is very exciting. And that's everyone, nice. every listener should do that. <laughs> or just or just donate to our to our Patreon. That would be nice too. Patreon.com slash series of podcast. Um, but he says that Natasha at Alterici, the creator of Heathen, actually lives an hour from him. And that he's met her. She's super nice. And she used to publish the series here in Oklahoma City through a local small press. And uh, he keeps meaning to mention it when we review the series. But anyway, thanks for that, Derek. And if you have cool tidbits about the comics that we talk about, let us know. Seriousissues at kingscomics.com is our email. Twitter.com slash at, seri- at serious underscore underscore issues on Twitter. 
mm-hmm. or facebook.com slash serious issues podcast on facebook of course slash groups slash serious issues podcast if you want to chat with us all the goddamn time and patreon.com slash serious issues podcast you can chat with, the, chat with us there too i also just wanted to um a shout oh, out God. to one of <laughs> i have a couple of things i'm sorry um shout out to um like this uh Connor, Connor, who's on our Facebook group, who is like the most intelligent, well-spoken Queensland teen of all time, I think, and knows <laughs> he's so, almost a tween. He knows so much about comics; it is unbelievable. He recommended a manga series um, to us called "Descending Stories," which is all about the um, art of Rukago. Rukago? I'm, I'm no, I'm saying that wrong. Whatever. Sound like something Sorry, we guys. Rukago. Um, What's Rukago? Rukugo. It's like storytelling on stage, um, and this is. I'm I'm gonna make Levens read it so that we can review it properly. But Manga I really, Club, really really enjoyed it. Thanks for the recommendation. So that's my weird commit. Um, yeah, uh, we hit hit a pledge goal. Um, me and Siobhan started a, a, a Patreon for our friendship, um, <laughs> and we hit our first goal, and that is that I have to read one manga every month. And um, it's really exciting, guys. I'm 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 heaps looking forward to heaps liking this book. <laughs> Um, a couple of other things I just wanted to mention quickly. Obviously, this week is we're celebrating Wonder Woman at um, King's Comics, and so this Saturday is Wonder Woman Day. There's, we have a whole bunch of really fun stuff planned. Um, you can come into King's and get some free Wonder Woman comics. We'll also be making um, cuffs and tiaras. It's extra nice if you have kids, but if you're an adult, you can still come down. Craft's good for all ages. Absolutely. We're um, going to have a visit from one of my favorite um, cosplayers who's got a really exciting Wonder Woman cosplay um, ready for us. And what else? What else did I have to mention? Oh, yeah. So, um, Kings this year are the principal sponsor of The Ledgers, which is the Australian Comic Book Awards. Um, so, to celebrate from the 12th of June to the 16th of June, we are having a Australian Comics Week of Celebrations. Um, we're going to be doing some signings, which I'm, I'm going to be announcing really soon on the Kings Facebook page. But also, we're doing... A drink and draw night, which we haven't done before at the Edinburgh Castle Hotel on Thursday, the 15th of um, June from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're going to have a live cosplay model there for the first hour, um, and that's going to be really sick. That's going to be really fun. It'd be lovely to see you all there. Finally, also Queens of Kings, the next Queens of Kings is going to be a doozy, guys. We're doing it extra early um, this month. So on the 11th of June, we are going to be having um, a special Queens of Kings with our very special guest, Nicola Scott. We're going to be talking about... Huge. Yeah, we're going to be talking about um, Secret Six, which is one of my favorite runs of... Superhero comics ever. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really fun. The first comic I ever laughed out loud to. I think on a, it's on a of, plane. Oh, nice. I think it's um. I think it's where sort of Nicola really cemented herself as like the go-to male cheesecake artist. Um, really spent a lot of time developing the sexy butts of all the men <laughs> in those books, and I'm really geeked to talk about that with her and with all of the filthy ladies of Queens of Kings. So that's going to be a really fun one. If you haven't come down before, um, it's well worthwhile. Is that like like what everyone calls themselves? Um, no, it's no. just <laughs> with like um, we had a couple of new new ladies last month, and we ended up talking for ages about what we think different superheroes um, dicks would be like. <laughs> and I think they were like, "I wasn't expecting this at all." And I was like, "I'm so sorry," but it was also <laughs> my sorry, fault because I that was definitely a discussion that was pioneered by me. <laughs> um, I think about it a lot. Which superhero has the best dick? Um, look, it's not so much best. I just have a lot of opinions about what they would all be like. Right. All right. Well, look, um, maybe a bonus episode. <laughs> Anyone wants to know? Patreon men- listeners, hit yeah, me up on the, Twitter. The, the entire Q and A episode that we're that we're very close to. Recording. We did the whole of the Justice League and the X Men. Wow. 
Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. It's going to be great. Um, all right. Well, that's another amazing episode. <laughs> I told you it was riveting at the start, and I, indeed, I believe it was. Yep. Um, serious issues, again, uh, come and find us on the internet, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Oh, wait. Guess what's coming out next week, Siobhan? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's heaps of stuff. Oh, my God. There's so much good stuff next week, guys. Uh, Saga returns with issue uh, 43, the Woo! brand new arc. Uh, we also get um, the first uh, new issue of um, of Doctor Strange with a new creative team. Cool. Um, Who's the new creative team? Is it Dennis Hopeless? Maybe not. Maybe. I can't Whatever. remember. Um, we also get uh, Judge Dredd Funko Universe number oh, one. Good lord, I'm not reading it. Yeah, you are. No. Um, and uh, Hadrian's Wall returns. We get the final finale of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy. Also, the return of Romulus. I'm keen on that one. The uh, third issue of Secret Empire. There's a whole bunch of good stuff. A few new uh, issues. We've got a Wonder Woman annual. Um, yep, really excited about that one. Nicola has a story in that as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I'm also keen. There's a couple of really cool um, graphic novels coming out this week. Jillian Tamaki has one called Boundless, which sounds really, really interesting. Also, the trade paperback of um, Dead Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, which was one of my favorite um, DC series this year. That was great. That was really good. I'm really ge- um, geeked to get pick that up in trade. Also, a manga called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness um, is supposed to be really exceptional. It's a sort of autobiographical story about coming out, etc. And I'm... I'm um, keen to check that one out as well. And uh, also, um, of, of all people, would you believe Jeff Lemire has another book, another graphic oh novel out that he did art on, um, and that is called Secret Path, which looks really sad. Yeah, it looks really, really horrifying. Great, can't wait. Great. <laughs> Big week next week, and we can't wait to spend it with you. Bye. See you. See you guys. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.